welcome to Afroability, a conversation about African business and technology. So we're going to talk about African InsureTech. We'll discuss the consumer insurance landscape and analyze InsureTech players across Africa. This episode was recorded on October 17, 2022. Afroability time, finally. Ready? I'm ready. I'm ready, man. I just came back from New York. Life is good. Can't complain. New York is great. How was the trip? <laughs> it was good. Once an Africa Tech mixer, saw a bunch of people. Are you famous in Africa Tech circles? No, I'm not. I'm also not rich <laughs> as well, which I think is a dominant problem. Um, you need to have an Afrobilly logo on your shirt, then you'd be famous. So what are we talking about today? Okay, so we're talking about insurance technology, insure tech, the application of technology to the insurance industry in Africa. It should be fun. I'm excited to have this conversation. This is one of our industry overview episodes, and we haven't done these in a while. We appreciate every single email we get because people feel strongly about things we left out or didn't understand. I think that's right. why we do this. But please... Definitely look forward to all the messages or emails that come right after we publish this. Insurance technology, insure tech, specifically for consumers. And as I was doing research for this, I realized there's a lot more insurance than I could ever have imagined. So thank you, Dubs. There's health insurance, obviously life, auto slash vehicle, mm -hmm. aka motor, home insurance, renters insurance, property insurance, umbrella insurance, disability insurance, yeah. long-term care insurance. There's a whole list. Let me not bore you. For the sake of this yeah. episode, since we're mostly talking about African developing countries, we'll primarily talk about life, health, and motor because those are the ones that seem to be much more prevalent yeah. in Africa. But there's a lot more th than that. Yeah. The industry tends to use um, life, non-life, and specialty insurance. As a category. Uh, the three major categories. So yes. what we'll be talking about today is InsurTech, mm. and we will be focusing more on consumers, even though, especially in Africa, the business insurance is pretty much more sizable. So oil and gas insurance in Nigeria, for example, is massive. Oil and right. gas in, insurance in mining, manufacturing is pretty massive because it's a requirement. We wanted to kick off with talking a little bit about the way the insurance landscape is set up, like a value chain, quote unquote. So I'll talk briefly mm. a little bit about the view that I have, then Banky also talk about. There's basically product development and marketing. So you develop the insurance products and then you mm -hmm. distribute it. So distribution is the second step. You distribute it to the end consumers. Before the end consumer actually gets the insurance, you have to go through an underwriting process to see the risk potential. So the third step is underwriting. After that, there's customer relations and support, in which case you're managing the customer and making sure they're happy, giving them all the education. Then there's claims management. If wow. they file wow. they keep giving you money. <laughs> they will warm buffets down. And the end is managing uh, capital and risk, which is the full life cycle. So that's the value chain that I have. Yeah. It's fascinating because that's exactly it. So you start from acquiring the customer, yes, pricing, setting the insurance, and then managing the customer through the premium payment and then that other part and then the claims part. The other thing that's interesting is what happens more in the West is more what you then do with those premiums. So I think the famous story is Warren Buffett's built his wealth in part because of the premiums he collects from Geico which Berkshire Hathaway owns, but that's a really good breakdown of the value chain. Yeah. I'm so tempted to do a segue on Warren Buffett, but let's not. This episode is probably yeah. already going to be super long, but I've read a lot of... You can, I can, Warren, yeah. Go ahead. I've read a lot of Warren Buffett and Berkshire Hathaway books recently, and the recurring theme of insurance float, insurance premium, it's cool to see how that overlaps here. Less, but I like that general idea yeah. of risk management. Yeah. The way we even think about uh, one background on how the insurtech market is set up or how I try to split the insurtech market is there's insurance startups, which are startups to do the insurance themselves. Those can be there are different kinds. And then there's mm -hmm. startups that provide technology to insurance companies. So yes. insurance startups can either be full stack insurers 
agents or brokers, where full stack are those that underwrite the policies themselves, assume the risk, manage the process from beginning to end. In the US, that would be stuff like Lemonade and Lemonade Insurance is a full stack insurer. I think Metro Lemonade, Miles also is a full stack Vision insurer. Fund, baby. SoftBank Vision Fund, yeah, baby. Root, all those guys. There was a, they were, we had a fund 2020. Anyways, there are agents as well. Agents uh-huh. typically act on behalf of a carrier. So yeah. Be My Health is a good example of an agent. We did a whole episode on Be My Health where yes. Alliance Insurance and the back end provided the insurance and then there'll be right. an insurance agent. So the first category is the startup is selling the insurance themselves. It's full their stack. insurance. Yeah, full stack. The second everything you said in the value chain. Yes. Yeah. Every set in the value chain, they just they do everything typically. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then the second category is they're selling it on behalf of a third party on the back end, like yeah. a large insurance company. Exactly. Exactly. It would be the same way, for example, if you have uh, any of the premium credit cards in the US where MX sells insurance and then your yes. insurance is instead administered by AIG or somebody. I think that's how MX works it out. And then there are brokers. So brokers tend to be much more platforms that provide customers with a variety of policies. So think of where people go insurance shopping. Mm-hmm. Pretty big thing in, in South Africa to a degree and in other parts of the world, not as much in other parts of Sub-Saharan Africa. So mm. where you can go compare, you see what I did there? Yes. Um, go compare, get a, get a quote, get a quote from different insurers and different things. So those tend to be an insurance startup. So many companies would try different models to play with insurance. I do the, insur- the insurance themselves, reinsure some of the risk. They are agents where they build an insurance product and they go meet Mm. somebody else to manage the risk for them uh, as um, yeah. Be My Health does or they are brokers to help people buy and buy insurance and sell insurance yeah. as well. So the, there's like a stack. There are different layers of the stack. You can play different pieces. You can up-level later as you get yeah. more money, more customers. And then different layers of the stack have different levels of profitability and growth. Very cool. Yeah. In, insurance is cool, actually, I think. It is fire. And yeah. then there's, uh, yeah, see? And then there's... Uh, <laughs> Literally fire. <laughs> burn down your house. No insurance. And then there's there's insurance technology providers, which is mm. a bunch of things that insurance companies need to do can be made better, yes. more reliable with technology. Correct. The biggest thing that comes up over and over again is the claims process, claims adjustment, reviewing. But hold on, last point. I, I, I treated that as out of scope because that's B2B. I guess you're treating that as in scope. So it's a good thing we split the work separately because technically, yeah. you're providing services to business customers to make the business customers more efficient. So technically out of scope, but I guess we can count them a little bit. Why not? That's fair. That's more. I'm putting that in scope, but we're fine. There's only a handful of companies in Africa that do that because okay. I'll tell you why. I'll tell you why. Because I sort of more what the primary cost is consumer of the insurance is a business. If the service is an insurance company, I'm fine with that. If I'm building technology for lead assurance and I'm making a good money, I don't know. That's an insurance startup. Okay, I see. So the customers okay. can be insurance companies or anybody in this value chain where they are building a software that helps a bunch of insurers, <laughs> like make sure, for example, that you haven't claimed the same claim for the same event in five different insurance companies. I see. That okay. requires some collaboration. Okay, 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 okay. So I will primarily be talking about consumer insurance startups that offer insurance to consumers. Banco is also going to add a little bit of that B two B angle, but most of it will be on that. Okay, with that, yeah. with that, do, do we? Do PSAs and biases? That was a good intro. The biases. Okay, PSA. So public service announcement. The one, this is, we say this every two weeks on Affordability. Founders and operators, we'd love to hear from you. Let us know what you're working on. Email Banklin at info Investors, link up with you. Drive the ecosystem forward. Email both of us, info Everyone else, go ahead. Join our mailing group. We send emails every two to three weeks. I sent an email about a week ago. I was very proud of myself. It was a good email. We send supplemental stuff to what we talk about on the podcast. We have a lot of listeners on our mailing list now. So please join. And with that biases, yeah. what are your biases about yeah. African insurance tech companies? 
as I went through the prep, I became much more optimistic about it. And I'll tell you why. It's a significant, it's a sizable opportunity. Those are the kind of words I use. Significant, sizable opportunity. There are just so many different businesses. And so I went through the entire, as you went through the value chain and I went through different segments, how you can slice and die. Um, there are many different businesses to be built here. Like I saw something, Brazil has like 200 insurtech companies. There are a couple of unicorns in insurtech in many different emerging markets across different parts of the stack. Mm. For many different reasons we'll get through. And there's barely any in this market, right? Across SSA, if you were being strict. There hasn't been a lot of fundraising, there's a lot of action. There's definitely a lot of natural disasters, definitely a lot of things to insure against, definitely a lot of assets. And it means that there's something to build. So that's one reason. One is just that like people don't have shoes, maybe they need shoes. That kind of argument. The second one is more like that... I know, right? The second argument is more that unlike most other businesses, let's call it pay TV, where you can say, look, it doesn't matter what the Roku TV does, DSTV is going to just come and make us watch Tinsel and South African shows and steal the market or whatever. This is much more local knowledge, right? So you have to, like payments, right? Like the reason why they say, why this Stripe buy Paystack is because Collison and friends don't want to be doing discussion with people in <laughs> IT at Fidelity Bank. <laughs> Like somebody has to be on the ground doing the actual oh, but can I just say stuff. Shout out to the IT team for the OD pack. Yeah, yeah. We see you. We don't, I don't think I don't think the Stripe tech team is really trying to be having those meetings. But right. Shola and Ezra obviously are excellent at them. Yeah, that, used to, and they're not willing to. And Stripe is like, I never want to do this. That's why Shola and Ezra are going to do yeah. it for us. Yeah. So it's, yeah. those are the two things. Maybe a bit of bring my summary up front, but those are my biases. I end up then starting from being skeptical to being hyper. Like, oh my God, somebody should build something here. Wow, that's the longest bias section I've ever. I, I don't even know how to summarize. Okay, it sounds like you're mostly neutral. Is what I'm gonna take. I don't know what you're positive, talking about, but it sounds positive. like you're mostly I was neutral. Okay, I, was, I started Sorry. off neutral, and I by the end of my prep, positive. I was positive. Okay. Yeah. So, so basically, it's hard to have biases about entire sectors. If it were gambling and betting, you already know where I stand. Shit on lending. That, one. You don't if like lending. If it's lending, hundred percent shit on that. Consumer lending. E-commerce, you don't, don't like lending. Like, you don't like but, e-commerce. But, cons- like, I think I'm mostly neutral. As we go through some of the more specific companies, I can give my opinion on that, but it seems mostly fine. It does strike me as one of those areas where there are very few large African tech companies, which implies maybe there's still opportunity ahead, but that doesn't affect my bias. So, so my bias is basically neutral. Okay, so let's do it. Let's get on the road. Okay, how are we organizing this? First, we're going to talk about InsurTech and other emerging markets, so India and Brazil. And then Banco is going to give us an update status check on insurance in Africa. And then we'll go through all the different regions across Africa. So Southern Africa, Western, mm-hmm. Eastern, North Africa. And we'll talk about different startups in those regions that are consumer insure tech startups. So it's going to be a wild ride. Let's do it. All right. So India. I'm going to kick Let's us go. off. India, you ready? I want to hear. Yes. Yeah, I'm excited. Okay. So insurance uh... penetration is about 3 to 4% in India based on different stats. So it's basically tiny. Let's just say almost... Most people don't have insurance in India, right? As expected. This is consistent yeah. with most other developing countries. That's, a, that's, that's as a percentage money. of GDP, right? Or this as how many this people is have as a percent of the population, okay. not as of GDP. Okay. Yeah. And now this is it may be there's some terminology with the way they count it, but let's just say for sure less than five percent. Some stats said two, some said three, some said four. But since India is actually huge, India has like a billion people. That means like 900, 800, 900 million people don't have insurance. So massive numbers just because the country is large, obviously. Okay. So what are the reasons for low insurance penetration? Obvious stuff. Low income, as you'd expect. Lack of awareness about insurance benefits. And then the one I think a lot of people don't talk about as much is the benefits may not match the local context and needs Mm. of the people. 
A lot of people talk about income and awareness, but what if it just doesn't match the local content? What if they don't need it because they have some other indirect substitute? I'll talk about that later. Mm-hmm. Um, interestingly, the Indian Insurance Regulatory Body, called IRDAI, Indian Insurance Regulatory and Development Authority, they launched a new distribution model to increase the penetration of insurance in the country. Okay, so Bank, you're going to like this. The insurance model is called POSP. It's based off POSP. POSP stands for Point of Sale Person. Okay. Okay. So POSP is basically a broker or a distributor. So team apps agents, means, basically. Ex, ex, I was going to give a long explanation and summarize at the end. You took That's exactly. It's basically an agent who sells insurance on behalf of a larger body. So it's an actual person. The person doesn't need to be super old. They can be 18, 19, 20. They don't need to be super educated. They just need to be able to hustle and go out and sell it. And they can sell some smaller chunks, bite-sized pieces that make it more palatable mm-hmm. for people to, to buy. So POSPs only need basic training and they go and sell Mm -hmm. insurance on the streets. And it's interesting. The reason I brought this up is because I actually realized this is not really done with any of the startups. So I'm going to talk about some startups. Banco is going to talk about some. But from all the startups I looked at in Africa, this isn't really done this way. It's done in in another indirect way, which I'll talk about later. Okay. So that sounds, listeners, in case that sounds familiar, that's because it's what Safaricom did. Listen to our episode six. It's what Paga did. Listen to our Paga episode. It's what TMAP does. Like Banco said, we're going to do a TMAP episode soon. Interesting way to sell insurance. Okay. With that, I'm going to talk about some of the big companies. So India basically has three big companies that are insurance mm-hmm. companies. Echo, Digits, and then Policy Bazaar. So I'm yeah. going to spend most of the time talking about just Policy Bazaar. I wish I could talk about three of them, but otherwise it's going to be like a five-hour podcast. So those are the three big ones. They're all unicorns, interestingly. So three unicorns, just insurance. Fascinating. But I'll talk about one of them because it's the oldest and its story is the most interesting to me. Okay. So Policy Bazaar was founded in 2008. Yeah. <laughs> 2008. So big, old, cool company. So when we started the podcast, Bankly was talking about the different levels of the stack. They started as a comparison site, right? So that was yeah. the level of the stack. Comparison site basically means a user goes, they type in something and it shows them, here are all the different companies that offer insurance. Mm. So it's basically just a comparison site. And their stated objective when they launched was to bring transparency to insurance. Fascinating. Eventually, they became a subsidiary of another company called PB Fintech, Policy Bazaar Fintech. And PB Fintech also runs Pesa Bazaar, which started to run a credit card and loan comparison site. Okay. Yeah. So they had one site that will show you all the different insurance you can get, another website that shows all the different loans and credit cards you can get. Both of them are under the same parent company. And I'm going to come back to this in this story later. So eventually moved up the stack and it went from comparing insurance to actually selling insurance. So instead of just sending you to another site, it became its own destination site where you can actually buy it. So you see the different ones and you buy it on the same page. But, but same somebody landing. else provides the insurance at this stage. Yes, least. on the back end. Yes. Okay. So from a user perspective, you go there, you start the journey, you find, mm-hmm. you buy. But then on the back end provision, it'll probably be another company. So that's yeah. what they moved to. And then eventually... They now got to the point where they were aggregating, selling, and influencing insurance companies to make newer types of insurance. So today they call themselves an online aggregator. They do all those things. They're quite big. They went public in 2021, which means it took them 12 years to go public. Banky, any thoughts on timeline for public exits? Because I I have a whole spiel on this. I wonder if you have any thoughts. I don't. I think that's par for the course. I don't know. That's like good. I think a lot of people don't have reasonable expectations. Yeah. You, let's do this from two perspectives. If you're an operator and you're, you have an idea for a company, just to get the founding team, get the initial vent investors, launch the product, 
that plus 12, 12 to 15 years end to end, it's a long time. So this sounds like a bad example, but this is actually representative of the typical life, life cycle of a startup. Same thing if you're an investor, you have to wait pretty long. Anyway, I thought it was interesting, see how long it took, but coming back to the company. So today, Policy Bazaar is India's largest insurance marketplace. They have 90 to 95% market share. Well, and they do all the stuff I said before. They allow comparisons. They allow you to buy it there. And then they sell some directly. Okay. Yeah. They also do claims assistance. So if you have any issue with claims, you don't have to go to the third party. You can do it all there. They say they have about 9 million customers, which doesn't sound like a large number. But I guess they have 93% market share. Since no one has a lot of market share, even the biggest player only has 9 million. But they put it on the yeah. website, which I guess they think it's a high number. Another thing to know, they have a great group of investors. So SoftBank. Billy famous people, Tiger Global, famous on affordability, Tamasek, in case people don't know, that's Singapore's sovereign wealth fund, very big on investments, InfoEdge, and a bunch of other players. So really solid group of investors. Yeah. Uh, B-Dub, any thoughts? Yeah, any thoughts I, I, I think it's the marketplace model is always the first thing that people start from. And sometimes they move to providing insurance. Sometimes that's just super lucrative. Very similar to what yeah. the Belizean startup I'll talk about in a second does, the Minuto Seguros, but it's fairly mm-hmm. consistent. I also found, like, Aqua as well, the other, if I'm pronouncing it right. Yes. Yes. Tell me. yes. Also do, doing, yes. not similar, but trying to do end to end, like online only insurance marketplace yes. stuff. Yes. But yes. it's tough. It's tough. I don't, it's mm-hmm. almost one of the things where I feel like with insurance, you don't get the benefits now, you get a piece of paper at best. So maybe I should pay and keep paying where I don't get the benefits. So it's interesting. It ends up being sold and not bought. It's one of the challenges, especially where people have very little disposable income. So yes. therefore, so there's two things, right? People don't, don't want to buy it because they don't need it. If they buy it, most people may not remember to claim or want to claim. And because of customer protection may not be as strong in these countries, you can actually not pay out. Like Amex does to me Imagine. occasionally. Imagine. Uh, so so it, it's worse on both places. You pay... Yeah. And you don't have that much money to pay. And then even to get the money back through the claims yeah. process, you may still not get it. So it, it potentially has a bad rap. That was the angle you were looking at. I was looking at the angle as that as becomes a very good business to do insurance yourself. Is <laughs> what a cynic would say. That's funny. Um, <laughs> if it's bad for the consumers, the money must be staying with the business. That's really funny. <laughs> the money's oh, going okay. somewhere. But anyway, it, it has to go that. somewhere. Yeah. I, I, okay. Thank you. Thank you, Bianco. Okay. I didn't spend that much time talking about Echo and digital insurance, but very quickly, they're newer players. They're both founded in 2016. They're doing quite well because they're both unicorns. They sell insurance directly to consumers over the internet, so similar to Policy Bazaar, except that was their initial business. They offer many different types of insurance, health, motor, life. We won't deep dive into them much, but just to say, they're also unicorns. They're making a lot of progress, but their story is a little bit shorter, more direct. I prefer Policy Bazaar because it should go up, up the stack. Okay, some observations for... Some observations from the Policy Bazaar story for Mm -hmm. Africa Tech. First, patience. Startup takes a long time. Like 2008 founding, 2021 IPO. They only have 9 million customers. Penetration is still super low, even though they've been in it for for a while. They started with, I skipped this part of the story because it's so long. They started with like just phone calls and offline before they digitized. um, Just on and on. Second thing to learn is partnerships. A common thread. I think we saw that in, I forget the company, we were just like so much calling. Everyone is just calling and calling. I think it was... Patel. I think it was Patel. They were, calling, Patel, they were yes. calling everybody to Patel. order bikes and there was no app. <laughs> yes, yes, it was, yes, a, yes. was a WhatsApp group uh, or no, a Facebook group. I'm going to this destination. I'm like, your Bangladesh is wild. <laughs> yeah, Bangladesh. I can't wait to do our third Bangladesh episode. Okay. Second learning is partnerships building. 
based on their market positioning, Policy Bazaar is now in a place where they can get a bunch of customer data and use that to influence all their partners, the insurance providers, to make different types of products or make it themselves. So it's an interesting piece around you're in the you're in a position in the data stack where you get the data and then you can influence the whole ecosystem because you, you have all the data that's valuable to different players and you can nudge it forward. So two key lessons for me. Interesting to see how it goes. Very surprising that there are at least three different unicorns in India in this insurance space. So exactly. That is the India piece. So exactly the point. And that's what gets me excited, which is yeah. these guys are largely dealing with consumers, selling to consumers, making Correct. money from that Correct. relationship with consumers. And we don't have right. any we don't have many newsworthy, many insurance startups at scale in Africa. So yeah, let me talk about Brazil right now. Yeah. Insurance penetration is low, that's expected. Yeah. Uh, premiums as a percentage of GDP, I saw four percent. It's two point nine percent in across Africa, but all of that is South Africa, and all of that is business insurance, and you're left with nobody having insurance. If you move South Africa and South Africa business insurance for all the industry they have there, you end up with a small number for the rest of Africa, which I'll, I'll wow, talk so about. It's so consistent. So Brazil less than five percent, India less than five percent, Africa less than five percent. Everything is one, two, three, four percent across I, all. I, as a percentage of GDP. I think one of the things that actually might cloud it is, I was thinking this as you were talking is, where you said people might not need it is, for example, see healthcare, right? Mm. Insurance in the US is, or even in the UK, it's very clear when you pay for insurance, right? You, it's coming out of your paycheck right. and that counts. It's coming out, out of your paycheck. And that counts $145. as- $145. Yeah, if you're lucky. Shout out to Cigna. If you're lucky. <laughs> and that counts out of how the data and the premiums versus- Countries where it's largely out of pocket, like it's crazy. You see the out of pocket insurance rates for, say, Nigeria, it's insane. It's government provided free in a government hospital where people just go and diagnosis is free right. and things like that. Brazil. Back to Brazil. It, it's not insurance, but insurance is booming there. The insurance, insure tech is booming. I saw some broad data about how investment in the first quarter of 2021 is 200% higher than the same period the previous year. But again, as we know now, those were the boom years. So I'm what the boom years. Yeah. So yes. it's, there's a lot more investments. It's 129 insurtechs in- 129. 129. I was like, that's significant, right? The company I'm going to talk about, Minuto Seguros, was actually just acquired by Creditas in 2021. Which hey, we talked Creditas. about. We spoke about them in one of our episodes. Yeah, Lenin. And Creditas is kind of like my favorite LATAM startup. This startup, Minuto Seguros, was purchased by Creditas in 2021. Pretty fascinating startup. Creditas actually really fascinating. How they yes. go listen to our podcast about lending. We talked about Creditas there. We'll put a so, link so, to the podcast so, there. Just, just well. make sure I get this. Thank you. So fintech lending platform acquired. Another fintech. I knew you were going to talk about this. I knew. And I really want to talk about why because and how. I, this is one of my themes at the end. It's interesting. So if you already, <laughs> if you have a relationship with consumers and you give them loans, use that same relationship to give them insurance. Is it make sense? Interestingly, they haven't made exactly. that many types of partnerships with lending African companies and insurance African companies. Exactly. Something for us to come back to later exactly. on the Africa piece. So Creditas does asset-backed lending in three categories, home, auto, yeah. and something else. Do you remember? Mm. They do asset-backed lending, mm. primarily home, auto, that kind of thing. Mm. What right. Minuto Seguros does, back to Minuto Seguros, is they are a broker, using the taxonomy that I shared earlier, right? They help individuals and businesses purchase insurance policies online. And up until the acquisition, the largest independent car insurance brokerage in Brazil, users can search for quotes and buy okay, products they, with the help of the company. primarily do cars. Yeah, exactly. Search for quotes and buy products with the help of the company's call center. So they had a call center 
They had online, offline, they had all that stuff, even though they were just selling insurance, okay. which is honestly a recurring theme in Africa tech. Yes, yes. They were found the in, cost, right? Yeah. They were found in 2011, launched in 2012, acquired for an undisclosed amount by creditors. They probably raised over $60 million. Six zero. Yeah, they raised oh, it was a significant purchase. So if they raised six when zero, were they acquired? What year? 2021. In the boom years. Oh, they were just acquired. Okay. They were just acquired in the boom I years. They just waited a year. Ah, oh, everything would have been, everything would have been cheap. Um, they just acquired. Yo, okay, okay. Let's go off topic again. So PayPal bought Honey for $4 billion. Bro. I was reading this article just a few hours ago. The PayPal is dismantling this. I just don't, as I read the article, I just kept on thinking, man, if you just waited a little bit, Dude. not $4 billion, man. Chop it. That's what happened with, listen to our Swivel episode. Swivel bought like nine companies. Just one of the nine was 100 million. Now Swivel is 86 million. So we're not even counting the remaining eight. Just one of them yeah. was more than that. On book, uh, 2022 has been crazy. Yeah. Anyway, okay. Those were the boom years. Those were the boom years. So back to Minuto. So they've, they started in 2011, launched in 2012, 20, they raised a Series A, raised a Series B. Series 2019, they said total funding was $60 million. And es- essentially, brokers typically make money by just charging the insurance companies they deal with commission. So in the yeah. US, commissions are between 2% and 8% of premiums. I couldn't figure us. out if that ends up over the lifetime of an insurance policy or just for the first year. That's where it starts to get interesting, right? Because it's very yes, strong. Yes, because if, if it's 2 to 8% forever, yeah. that's unbelievable. Yeah. Okay. Oh, God, another segue. Did you know, I know this for a fact, that if you live in Nigeria or Kenya, let's say you mm-hmm. have an MCN plan, and the first time you get your SIM card, the person that sells a SIM card to you, they get a percentage of every top-up you buy for your life. Do you know that? I did not know that. Are you sure about this? Are you sure, sure I'm about this? I'm 100% sure. Uh, that's analogous to this yeah. situation you were seeing with the brokers. Yeah. So anyway, despite raising $60 million in total over, let's call it 10 years, mm-hmm. 160,000 customers, 300 employees, 15 partner insurers. So still not... Damn, that's nothing. 160,000 yeah. is nothing. But also oh. clear over, they've sold you know, millions of policies and stuff. But 160K customers, however you define customers, even if it's 30 day actives, mm-hmm. still becomes like that. That's still small. Even if, I hope that's how they define it. I have a common affability <clears throat> pain points of people misdefining customers. Yeah. And sh- shout out to Ali, Alipay and AliExpress for doing 365-day active customers. What the hell, guys? Stop that bullshit. I love it. Okay, anyway. Fine. The game Let's is the game. The, yeah. the game is the game. <laughs> if, you, if you use AliExpress once last year, you're a customer. The game is the Come game. On. And let's do... Okay, so what is important here for Africa Tech is, I think when they started, one of the things that they tried to go after was people not using insurance at the time. It's basically people not using insurance mm-hmm. coming to the formal marketplace for the first time. I think that's like a big thing is non-consumption. And I find that yes. when you do insurance, it's tempting to go after, even, I don't know, banking, is go after the people who have banks, right? Like me as a Kota Bank customer, switch me from GT Bank or Carbon going after mm. you or whatever, versus mm. people who don't use banks at all and getting them to use banking services. So this took that approach. Yeah. I, I mean, there's good reason why they don't. I'm not saying that everybody should go be the people that don't have, but this is a very yeah. different way to think about stuff. Yeah, it depends on your CAC, your customer acquisition costs, and you should have a customer segmentation plan. You go through different segments, different times, different costs. Why did they stay in motor for so long, though? I thought after so many years, they offered, they broke over different things. Maybe it was just super lucrative. They probably do other things as well, but motor just probably the biggest. Okay. I don't, I actually do not know. Okay, got it. But motor is definitely the biggest. About the refresh cycle of a car plan versus a house. Yes, uh, yes, yes. 
So yes, other thing cool. is online plus offline as well. So they had this yes, it's a similar theme to yeah, India. To India, you have to have a help desk. You have to have all these people to talk to people to help them figure out what insurance to buy because you're making a nice, healthy mm. commission. So you want to spend time making the sales and closing out the sales. And is this mm. illusion of you being digital only? And Kodabank definitely in that they have one office they have. I'm sure they have queue of people. <laughs> Just giving them it's an experience center. Kuda Bank. Do you understand? You want to go and shout at Kuda Bank. An experience of what's going on. I, my my sister, <laughs> bless her, is always that. Bankly use Kuda Bank. I say, yes. So where's the office? <laughs> I said, <laughs> I said, I said yeah, but so what if I send you money now? The other day, I think I, I sent my sister some money. I haven't got to it. I said, I've sent it. She said, Okay, I've told you, is this Kuda Bank you are using? He said, no, I'll just, I'll just message them if my money... Okay. Yeah. My star is not that old. My star is not... Uh, Bankoli, until they steal your <laughs> money, they will wipe out your account. Story. Ah, why are you talking like this? Nothing can make me stop loving Kuda Bank. When I started loving them, no one else loved them. Now, we have a whole team. Yeah, they're digital only. Yes, they don't make any money. So what? <laughs> they're a startup. <laughs> That's the definition of yeah, a startup. They're on a different, Spend they're, all the money. They're on a different time schedule. Sorry, you're not following your plan for profitability. <laughs> Babs is at will. Moving on. <laughs> okay, okay. Um, so some similar themes. A lot of offline. And the thing about offline is you can use it both for customer service, customer support, and claim support. Yeah. You can also use it as part of the sales channel. So it sounds bad, but if you think about the fact labor is cheap yeah. and it helps you to increase revenue and keep customers, it may not be as bad. It depends on the specifics, but interesting approach in both it, markets. It, it's almost, it almost depends on the product as well. Because you remember Iroko, and they had people selling subscriptions to internet TV in kiosks, right? Yes, I remember. And it doesn't seem like that was that um, profitable as well. So even with... that's. Yeah. It's when people try to explain success, where right? it's like what you can see is maybe you increase probability of success from like three percent to four percent. It doesn't mean mm. it doesn't necessarily increase it by forty percentage points. So it's one of those things where eighty percent is still time and chance and luck, but you want the twenty you can manage. You want to just add offline to add two points to it and stuff, which is scary as they were, where it's not going to yeah. make or break your business, but definitely makes it less likely that you succeed if you're online only, like Gigi, yes, versus say right OLX and all of the other guys that had boots on the ground. Versus Gigi, that I don't yes. know whether they come to Nigeria or not. Yeah, also, if you think about what you said, they started so early. I think you said 2011. 2011, right? 2011, yeah. Yeah, so 2011, Brazilian internet penetration, probably yeah. super low. So it probably makes sense. If you were starting today in 2022, maybe you take a different path. So the timing is critical. Yeah. Market readiness is critical. Internet penetration is critical. Phone penetration. There's just a lot of different variables. So yeah. any other lessons for Africa Tech from no, Brazil? That was, that was the, main, the main one. Main one. It's basically us being able to, okay. them being able to go after non-consumption and then going online plus offline for customer cool. acquisition and management. Okay, very cool. So we're not going to talk about China Tech. Obviously, everyone on the podcast knows I love China Tech. We're not. Um, <laughs> and the reason we're not going to is because Bankly I see raised a good point two weeks ago. It would just end up with us talking about Alipay and WeChat. So rather than repeating all of that, just listen to our episode 23, which is about fintech stock trading. Learn yeah. about Alipay, WeChat Pay. Listen to our episode 32, which is about fintech lending. There's a lot of overlap yeah. consumer fintech players and consumer tech players where we talk about Alipay. Other than that, I think Banky will just kick us yeah. off and give us some context about insurance in Africa. Yeah. We're now finally the Africa piece yeah. of the podcast. Finally. Yeah. China is very context specific because it's all bundled. Alibaba yes. first had the first peer-to-peer -peer thing and they tacked on the biggest money right. market fund in the world, just as yes. a... Yes, it's, it's a 
app sure. market, yeah. right? So you always end up talking about the super apps. Yeah. So that's just it. Yeah. And one thing we'll talk about as we get towards the end is the super app angle, by the way. Um, it's actually oh, very interesting. Oh, I'm so excited. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about African okay. insurance. I want to just make sure I hit the high points. Insurance penetration is low. Premiums are yes. very little. I saw, let me just yes. read this sentence. Total insurance penetration in Africa was 2.9% in 2018. Very low. Of the $5 basically billion, like zero. Basically. Yeah, of the $5 billion in premiums issued in 2018, up only 5% year on year. Premiums in Africa are only 1% of the distribution of the premium volume. And 80% for enterprises oh. and 20% for individuals. So again, like I said, it's and all you also, businesses and it's Africa. And, is and then you also said earlier that South Africa is most of it, right? So if you take out South Africa, it's even lower than the two point something. So the exactly. weighted average of the rest of the continent is exactly. tiny. South Africa is 85% of total insurance market in Africa. 85. Lord. Brings Lord. up. So the math is. Brings up the average. W- 0.15 times 2.9. So it's basically zero. Let's just say zero. Yeah. Every other, it's mostly zero in every other con- yeah. uh, country. Okay. Yeah. No exactly. surprise. We, we said the same thing in health. Yeah. We said the same thing in education. So it's like a consistent yeah. thing. And 5% is bad, but not as bad as, I guess, a bunch of other metrics, like say life, life expectancy or inf- maternal mortality, where it's 10% in France and Denmark, 9, 10, 11% instead of what it is in the West. So 10 versus 5 is not yeah. the worst gap we've seen in Africa versus OECD metrics ever. I just want to. Correct. I want to flag In that. fact, if you ask me, I care way less about this stat because it's indirect, right? Yeah. What would be more direct is life expectancy for health, infant mortality for health, educational achievement for yeah. education. It's fine, but I'm not as bothered, to be yeah. honest. I know that sounds like a bad thing to say. I just feel like it's a very indirect metric yeah. and it doesn't directly tell you what are you really trying to measure? You really care about the welfare of the people. And they're direct ways to yeah. measure that versus indirectly saying, do they have insurance to, prefer, to protect their welfare? So yeah. it's not good, but it's not as negative. Did the health it's correlated. Really it's correlated. It's, if you're healthy, you cannot, if you have money, you can eat good food. Some people that have money don't eat good food. Cool. So if you look at insurance penetration across African countries, right? South Africa is 14%, Kenya 2%, Namibia 7%. South Africa and Namibia are like the outliers here. But if you, Lesotho, 6%, so there's a bunch of stuff there. Nigeria, 0.3%. Which, if you think about it, right? <laughs> 1 billion people in Africa, 200 million in Nigeria, then 0.3%, just dragging down the average. South Africa is trying their best. Like, Atlas yeah. with, the, with Africa on their shoulders, and Nigeria is just no insurance. Yeah, yeah. As Atlas is holding up the world, and Nigeria just stomps. Yeah. Stomps on Atlas. So, yeah. the summary here is, not a lot of insurance penetration, Outliers are South Africa, Lesotho, Namibia, smaller. South Africa accounts for 85% of insurance premiums. Most of the insurance that's available is business insurance, not even personal insurance. Barely a thing. It's very low in many different countries. Let's talk about the, the challenges. of. I'll talk a bit about the oh, challenges. Oh. Yeah. Question. Before the challenges, do you have any personal experience of insurance as someone who spent a lot of time in Nigeria? Uh-huh. Either when you were a kid or your parents or your uncles or sisters or friends? I've been in a car accident okay. in Lagos before. And right. I don't even remember even attempting to claim. I think I tried to claim insurance. They just kept sending me paper and paper. And I was Wait, like, you were driving. You were the one driving. You were in an accident. Yeah, I was driving. I was in an accident. And I didn't even remember okay. what it was. I just think that insurance was not helpful at all. Which is Let me ask you, let me ask you a question. Did you have insurance? Hell in yeah. Hell Maybe yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. But you have actual insurance? Yes. Okay, so in Nigeria, for the context of the audience, I always had insurance, but some of the time was insurance that I just got from a guy. (laughs) 
<laughs> so, so I think what Olumide, what Olumide <laughs> is trying to distinguish is Nigerians don't even care about getting the insurance. They care about getting the paper no, that stops them, paper. stops paper. them getting checked from insurance. So you can pay a separate premium. I'll, I'll At least you used to be able to. I don't know if that's the case now. I haven't driven in Nigeria many years. Okay. I'll tell the story back. Yeah. You're trying to cover up the truth. So this is how it works in Nigeria. You want to get insurance. No, this is how it used to work. Fine. I'm talking about at least 10 years ago. You can actually go and get insurance with an insurance company that gives you claim and coverage, or you can get a piece of paper. That says you have insurance. You have insurance. And the paper can say anything you want it to. You just need to pay. You have <laughs> comprehensive insurance that covers the road. No deductible. That covers the road if you have accidents. You also no fix the road. So, yes. I think my experience oh, in insurance so. in Nigeria has not been positive. I don't know. I had actually had good insurance. I don't even know what happened. I think I, think I called them once or Would twice. Did you ever file a claim? I think I tried. I must have tried. I must have tried. This was maybe 10, 12 years ago now. I must have tried. Mm. But I just ended up just going to the shop and fixing Fix it, it out of myself. pocket. Yeah. And just be like, look, I need to be driving this car before they say one thing or the other. But I haven't had any positive. Have you ever made an insurance claim in Nigeria in general? Yeah, so I I guess my story is way shorter. I never filed an insurance claim because I had a paper that said I had insurance, but I never actually had insurance. So there's, there's sort of nothing to file in my case. It's just like wild. pay out of pocket. I legit had insurance, man. But yeah. I'm a Nigeria. They've shown anybody that believe. Imagine somebody paying premiums with old Naira at a different valuation of dollar. Just give me the premiums <laughs> back. I <laughs> Nigeria will embarrass you. I want 60. Nigeria will embarrass you. Okay, fine. Anyways, they're not telling you they want to pay you. That's one of the things you talk about when we talk about the challenges for insurances. Market volatility, right? So you're telling me to give you insurance that pays out, I don't know, 10 million naira in the case of an event when inflation is 20% and devaluation is 40% year on year. And uh, you're not giving... 10 million naira last year is not 10 million naira this year. It's 10 million naira two years ago. It's not 10 million naira this year. It's a complete world apart from import largely... Not import dependent, but largely imports dominated economy as far as consumption goes. That's one reason people are like, wait, I'll pay you. What is it? A 10 million naira insurance policy is not what it's always cracked up to be because prices are changing and mm. going up so quickly. That's one, one, mm. one challenge of that as well. Very uh, interesting. Yeah. I, I guess I'd never directly thought about it. I wonder if you're a business, you get an insurance, you can renegotiate it on the back end. If the situations change, if you're a person, you're screwed. Yeah, but this episode is mostly about yeah. regular consumers. But if you're yeah. a business, you probably have more leeway to do renegotiation. Yeah, it's also the challenge of the same thing happens with a slight tangent, but with savings as well, because it's with inflation happening very quickly. Why are you saving? It was the logical thing to do. The, the, you were arguing about with it. You were arguing with me about it on the last episode. The only logical thing is to convert your money to dollars as quickly as possible. Every other option doesn't make any sense. Like literally, oh yeah, the US has not even the US has historically low inflation right now, so that's pretty good. It's gonna protect the. No, you're you're suffering from a specific bias, about which I'm not even. You are suffering from a specific bias as well. No, I'm not. I'm not. The data shows US inflation is two to three percent. That's historical average. You're just you're following the news and worrying about 2022. Nigeria's inflation is 18 percent per year, and devaluation is even worse. So convert immediately. And if you had to pick, euros. Dollars, pounds, yen—you would pick dollars. Just anything, any, anything but naira. Fam. So you're talking about challenges. Yeah. So enforcement is a challenge. For example, we don't have a centralized system where the police will stop Olumide when he's driving his with his jacked up insurance card, and there's no way to confirm <laughs> if it's fake or not because it's a legitimate wait, wait, looking card but not linked to no an actual policy. No one said anything about fake. 
Hold on, what do you mean by fake? I never said. You know, I said fake. fake. It doesn't have a policy. Uh, it's a card without a policy. <laughs> this is a definitional issue. I have the paper says I have insurance. Okay. That's all that matters. Okay, good. Anyways, enforcement was not very strong. It was very difficult for many different reasons. Yeah. Technical. There's no centralized database. Yeah. Tec- police officers can't check to see if I have insurance. So. Yeah, they, they look for the paper. And if you have the paper, technical human capital, you have to have people right. to do claims adjusting and underwriting risk and understanding risk and actuarial tables. It's a whole industry. Oh, so that comes back into the people? story when I talk about South African stuff. It's actually, yeah. that's very relevant. How like do you find those people? Expertise. Yeah. I remember when I first started working in South Africa, I meet somebody's actuary. What's that? I just met a lot of actors hey, in South Africa. Good at math. <laughs> yeah, it's a, it's a real job. Coming back on top. Yeah, and we'll talk about this, but what it would take for startups to, for insurance to become more widespread. But now let's talk, like, why, is it, maybe this is a question that comes as assumption. Is it true that it's not attractive for startups to do insurance? We've talked about ACO, we've Ooh, talked about. Yes. ACO does. Primary uh, insurance itself, policy bazaar, primary insurance yes, itself. Yeah, so they have yeah. full stack insurance. There's a tech yeah. part, which makes sense. Anybody can, not anybody, interpreter, entrepreneur can build an API that helps them do stuff or connect them to other systems, centralized mm-hmm. data. I think that's mm-hmm. very clear insurance opportunity. But to do the actual claims underwriting and go to the value chain, is this not for startups or is it just for like somebody who's been doing insurance 20 years, gets some funding, starts a business? Is it business for experts? What do you say to that? I say that. If I were interested in getting in this space, I would think of like a partnership strategy. So you could like, like lipstick on a pig, right? Find a partner that does all the backend stuff and then figure out a way to pitch it. So you don't have to do all that. You actually need like human capital. Now, what do you bring? You bring so it's not a startup then. So you can't just be, you can't be two 22 year olds in the fourth year of, of Lasso engineering and building and full stack insurer. So yeah, the way I would think about doing it is getting partners to offer different pieces of the stack, and then I'll figure out what part of the stack makes the most, m- most amount of sense. And if you're younger and less experienced, you'd probably be in the parts of the stack that don't need the so actual di- distribution. So Be My Health probably, basically probably. build this layer that on the, at the top of the layer is the telcos, at the bottom of the layer is Alliance right. Insurance, and they build this <laughs> unique thread where sometimes they sell directly themselves and you can buy BMI Health Insurance, but you buy it through, I think, Tigo Health. It used to be yeah. then. I don't know. Somebody from Ghana is going to correct me. I, I mean, it, it makes sense. You start where you can start with the easy part and then you build up late, later when you get more skills. That's what I would do, but I'm not interested in the space. Insurance is messy, Shao. That's one thing that, you know, because even for the insurer, because for the insurer, do you have to believe you pay and you get your money back? For the insurer, is you have to, the risk management function is a super detailed technical thing. Yes. That is the same if you're doing it for 10... That's another thing that's complicated. Is the risk management is the same if you're doing it for $100,000 of premiums you've collected or $100 million of premiums you've collected. Your math better be tight Someone either way because if it's wrong, fam... You're out of business. Someone asked Warren Buffett, would you mind spending $10 billion on a claim? Warren Buffett was like, oh yeah, I don't mind, but it depends on the premiums. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> number one. And then number two, very smart. He said, I wouldn't mind losing $10 billion if we thought it was within the range of losses. Yeah. Not if we thought we we're going to lose $40 million and then it's now $10 billion and the whole company's bankrupt. Yeah. So I say it jokingly, but actually risk assessment, managing the capital loss expectations, it's like an interesting business, but it requires some expertise to figure out all the math. But people, those people exist now. There's insurance, WAPIC, insurance. Of course, actually, it's like yeah. a proper pro- pro- They exist job. in Nigeria yeah. now. So yeah. why are they not doing startups? 
start up businesses, you have to be able to tell okay. stories and collect okay. money. Those guys are about doing okay. business. Let's talk about okay. let's talk about insurtech startups across Should Africa. We, we're starting. Oh hell yeah. Okay, cool. So we're gonna do we're gonna talk about consumer insurtechs across Africa. I'm gonna do Southern Africa and then Banco is gonna come back. West. And do West, I'll do East, and then North. Okay, cool. South Africa, Southern Africa. I think South Africa is a good place to start because it makes up 70 to 80% of the market, depending on what data source you look at. And it has an annual gross written premium market of $47 And that's out of the $68 for the whole continent. So I'm going to talk about a few companies. I'm going to start with Naked Insurance. That's a good name. I have a theme later with these crazy names. You'll see the name. So I'm going to talk about Naked Insurance, Pineapple Insurance, Simply, and Control. Okay. So as you can tell from the names, because they tend to be more consumer focused, they lean heavily into branding and marketing and naming, which I find a yeah. bit strange, but I understand why they're doing it. Okay, let's start. Naked Insurance, founded 2016. They launched their first product 2018. They've raised between 10 and 14 million, okay. which is around 210 million rand. And they raised that just from 2016 to 2022. So that's quite a lot of money. They offer car insurance, and they also insure home contents. In- intriguing. So the stuff you have you in know, your you house, know the other, you know the other not necessarily the entire insurance, product. by the way, is you have to read paperwork. So even even I that, <laughs> even no I that live in the West, right, is, oh, I get insurance on my phone. I'm like, yeah, but I have to read the paperwork to know what it covers. Scroll to the bottom. You have to look at, some of them would be like, if a phone falls down from a long height, sorry. And then you, they ask you questions right. when you fill the form. You don't know that they're asking you. And they'll say, Okay, and the next thing, so they send you the email like, it's sorry, you're not qualified. Your phone fell into the gutter yeah. three weeks ago, but we cover after two weeks. And I'm like, what the hell? There was a whole debacle a few years ago where people <laughs> would return their, I think it was Samsung phone for warranty. Yeah. And then Samsung would tell them, oh, you, you don't qualify because there's water damage. No, there's no water. No, sir, <laughs> there's a label on the phone that's turned yeah. red because water. So you don't even know how yeah. they get you. It's, it's a game. The game is the game, as they say. Okay. So we're talking about naked insurance mm-hmm. and their main pitch is they give insurance in less than two minutes. They do very quick risk assessment using technology versus old school paper as expected. And it was very cool to see the founders had a lot of domain expertise. So one of the founders, Alex Thompson, mm-hmm. um, actually all the founders were actuaries. So Alex Thompson, Sumeri, and Ernest North, and they all worked in the insurance industry. and noticed there was a gap and lack of technical usage across the industry. It was very paper driven. So all the founders were actuaries. They came together, they found a company. And coming back to what I was saying before, there are two different types of home insurance. One, it covers the structure. One covers the content. So they're doing the contents, but they're probably going to also end up doing the structure. Guess who their investor is, their primary investor? So one thing I was going to talk about is... Affordability legend. SoftBank? No. NASPAS. Oh, NASPAS. This is a South African... NASPAS. One thing that is common for insurance versus a lot of other industries is... Insurance companies are very full investors in these startups. It's kind of very interesting. So if you look through all of these startups, you find a lot of the insurance companies are strategic investors are like Series A. Versus you don't see that yes. in, like, I don't know, banking or payments or other parts yeah. of fintech or other yeah. industries, ag tech. You don't see that a lot. You see it a lot of it. Although so, so, some would say Access Bank were the key originators of uh, Flutter. From your mouth. If you know, from your you mouth. Know. <laughs> your mouth to God's ears. If you know. Praise Jesus. <laughs> If you, okay, sorry. Coming back on topic, hmm. you were saying. I was not saying anything. <laughs> it's not me. You were trapped. Uh, I've said anything I want to say. That's all. You're, you're That's saying. all. Nothing else. That's all I want to say. <laughs> on, that, on that note, 
So one of the key backers is Afrobilly legend Naspers, but it's not the full Naspers. It's Naspers Foundry, which, if you remember from our former Afrobilly episode, is a smaller VC fund within Naspers that's meant to only focus on South African startups. They have a $100 million fund, which they announced in 2019. Yeah. And they mostly invest in businesses. something. Exactly. And they mostly invest in businesses that are aligned with Naspers' core business. Obviously, mm-hmm. they're that. Okay, so Naspers Foundry invested about eight, $8.3 million, and they were the lead investor in the last nice. round. One thing to see, which is going to be a common theme throughout all the companies I'm going to talk about, is they had a massive boom during COVID, of course, because we were locked at home and they were all online. And they seem to be doing quite well. They actually remind me of the Lemonade insurance company in America, not to be confused with Lemonade Finance, the African company. This is the Vision Fund company. And yeah, that's the first one, Naked Insurance. I don't, I don't Lemonade Insurance is doing that good right now, but <laughs> we're, in the, we're, in two, we're in the 2001 phase of the 2000s I was talking about earlier. Oh, wow. Okay. We, next one, Pineapple Insurance. Again, great name, pineapple.co.ca. They were founded in 2017. They've raised around $9 million from 2017 to 2022. So yeah, one of the founders, Matthew Ellen Smith, was it was an actuary and he studied actuarial science in college. So again, domain expertise. It's This is, I think, the first episode, and we've done a lot, almost 60 episodes, where consistent domain expertise for different founders, which I yeah. guess makes sense because it's more the core of the insurance business is to make sure you don't go bust. And the way to not go bust is to properly calculate the probability losses in the it's portfolio. Like, so it just makes it's like medical device startups. Like I have a classmate from school who was doing, who's doing a medical device startup. And it would be funny, which is like a friend. And it would be like, oh, what's this person doing? And we be like, yeah, some medical device. And not a single person, like I went to that reunion and she couldn't make it. Not a single person could figure out what her business was about. We were just like, because wow. yeah, she mentioned it, but I don't know, it was some small piece in the kidney or the heart. I don't know. It's some specific medical <laughs> thing that frankly, I've never heard of in my life. And she explained it to me with big words. And I was like, sounds cool. And I comp- instantly deleted it from my memory. Best of luck. Yeah. That's what it says. <laughs> like, like, yeah. I built something super specific. I love that. I love that. So Pineapple, <laughs> they offer auto insurance. They also offer what they call per item insurance, Banky, which is very cool. So you take a picture mm-hmm. of a specific item, let's say a watch, bicycle, yeah. laptop. They'll recognize the item and then they'll insure that specific item. So it's sort of similar to when I said, Naked does home content, except this doesn't need to be in the home. It can just be anything you have and they insure it. They say they give you a quote in less than a minute. I guess that sounds familiar. So similar to the way Naked Insurance approaches it. I tried to test out the website for this episode. Apparently it's mobile only, which was a bit surprising. The mobile app does look quite nice. Interesting choice to go mobile only. They were part of Google Accelerator in 2018, non-dilutive investments. They raised a bunch of money from Venture Clash, Connecticut Innovations, on and on. And if you look at the app, the app is actually beautiful. It's like we normally, I normally have my rating and scores for usability and beautiful UX and UI. Very nice, simple, white, blue tones. Very, you can tell it's a consumer startup yeah. because it has a lot of yellow smiley faces, thumbs up, thumbs down. Overall cool. I like it. They have some really quirky ad campaigns I'll post in the show notes. The primary tagline of the website is 100% pure insurance, no other stuff. Cool. I'm not so big on some of the insurance consumer marketing stuff, but I guess it makes sense. They prominently show that old mutual is the person actually providing the insurance. So I guess it makes sense to show, oh, you can trust us because we have this trusted brand, but it's on their LinkedIn page, it's on their app, it's on their website, it's like a prominent thing. And they actually say they're a quote unquote digital financial services it's provider. It's like when Lidway so, said to Tara Greek customers, sorry, what? <laughs> 
<laughs> Wait, who? I, I'm I don't sorry. Know like, you. can you speak up? You didn't get your money. I'm, oh, I'm it's sorry. Like, you said I insured you. I farm farm. <laughs> Where's the contract? Farm, you saw, Where's the contract? Farm, you saw a logo G. A logo is what you saw. Anyways, yeah. So anyway, to wrap it all up, you can tell they're targeting younger, more savvy people. Their ads are fancy. Their app is simple. They're mobile only, large buttons, smiley yeah. faces, emojis. In fact, there are a bunch of interviews with Old Mutual where Old Mutual says, we're developing partnerships with startups as distribution for our product. Yeah. Old Mutual already knows like, we're, all, we're 60 to 68. We don't know what the young kids want. These guys are called naked. <laughs> Maybe they have a good, <laughs> I mean, That's literally the first, first clue about like, Yo, these people are wild. Maybe we get some people for us. It's like Virgin. Richard Branson. Yo, that guy. That guy's company's called Virgin. He also give two shits. <laughs> like the next one is called Simply. Okay. Like literally their tagline on the website is keep life simple. Large fonts. <laughs> these guys do life, disability, and family funeral insurance. So yeah. cool stuff. Simply is a little bit different than Pineapple and Naked. A sentence I thought I would never see on affability because they focus more on life insurance. Uh, they claim you can get a life insurance mm -hmm. policy less than five minutes. So, Banco, you see the theme, right? One company said one minute, two minutes, three minutes, five minutes. They're focusing on speed, ease of use. Their website says no blood tests and no paperwork. Yikes. Yeah. They also, wonk, 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 they claim they're underwritten by Old Mutual. They put that on the website. They also put it on the app. So, similar, very similar to Pineapple. And a minor observation, because I played a lot with their website. Very nice. Simply.za. Very clean. Nice. Next company, Control. The branding is CTRL. But it's pronounced as control. <laughs> Founded 2017, their ads on YouTube are weird. They're like super, it's like meditation. It's like calm, it's like calm and headspace ads on YouTube. I'll add a link to the show notes. So this control is a little bit different because what they do, there's uh they the broker. Okay, so their tag yeah, their broker. So their tagline is we make car and household insurance easy, accessible, and transparent. We help you get the right coverage. Yada. So that's control. Not that similar from, not that different than the rest. I'm going to take a brief segue and talk about some of the B2B insurance players. I won't spend mm -hmm. a lot of time on them because this episode is for consumer insurance, but I'll talk a little bit about them. So Root, root.co.za. Root okay. Launched in 2016, uh, changed Root Insurance in 2018. They claim they have 1 million active policies in 2019. They raise around $3 million, but they help other insurance companies launch insurance products through APIs. So they're a little bit different. Not going to spend a lot of time on them, but I like their business model. Their business model is more API, enable other businesses to do that versus the other ones I spoke about are offering insurance directly. Exactly. They're more user facing. Okay. That was a lot. So let's all breathe. Breathe out. Okay. So takeaways. Number one, focus on speed and use of data analytics. Almost all the startups said we can get, give you very fast mm -hmm. insurance. One minute, three minutes. Almost all of them also said that the reason we could do that is because we use more technology and use better data. Number one. Number two. Very unusual consumer marketing, like pineapple, naked, simply, very edgy. The brands, there's some billboard campaigns they had, which were controversial, but they said help raise yeah. awareness. You, you get the gist. Number three lesson, COVID gave the companies a lot of traction. I'm not going to go with all mm -hmm. the stats, but almost all the companies got a boost in 2020. Not sure how that's going to last because a lot of trends in COVID have reversed. We'll see. Yeah. Fourth is they have very focused offerings. Not all of them. They're not offering everything like Policy Bazaar, like either just household contents or cars or housing, but the company seems to be much more focused yeah. in the initial offerings. That's Maybe a, they'll do more as they get bigger, that's, but that's, that's the initial a symptom strategy. of a mature market because the only opportunity is in the cracks. Versus when it's empty, exactly. you have to do everything is yeah, take, take it all. 
But when is it mature? You have to go into yeah. crack. You have to go into crack. I feel like we should just yeah. add. I was going to say something about Kuda Bank. I was like, it's actually not fair because in every episode, <laughs> we just talk about Kuda Bank all the time. You just get all the publicity. Yeah. We can talk about OPE. We can talk yeah. about OPE too. OPE is, has no. its own issues. Okay, but yeah. that's it. That is it for Southern Africa. We yeah, there's, there's just a number of stuff. Unless you have no, some there's just, No, there's a number of stuff there. There's, I saw one, Echo Shore in Zimbabwe, funeral, hospital, personal accidents insurance for like 50 cents a month. Not raise a lot of money. 50 a cents. Month. Yeah, because funerals, it most like you can get insurance for specific things, like funeral insurance, right? Yeah. And funerals cost a lot of money in many African countries. You want to pay insurance for that. Yeah, mm-hmm. and we also saw that in the multi-choice yeah. episode. Multi-choice had it one of their yeah. plans. There's V-A-A-I, V-A-A-I.co. You can buy insurance for car insurance. That's Z-A, South, yeah, South African or in South Africa. Yeah, same okay. insurance, prepaid insurance, valid for 24 hours. Fascinating. We can wow. recharge insurance. I'm okay. like, that's like an adverse selection problem right there. 24 hours? That's an adverse selection problem. Like, literally adverse selection. Yo, I'm bleeding. It's I, even I'm bleeding. I'm on the way to the hospital. Oh, yeah. Just like, from tomorrow I'm going to get into a fight. I'm going to go punch this guy. So let me get insurance for the week. <laughs> Yo. <laughs> Yo, before I go to fight, yeah. man, let me get insurance for yeah. a fight with Brad Pitt. <laughs> exactly. Like, that's why UFC doesn't give his fighters I'm insurance at all. Because they're like... Nobody's going to show y'all. Y'all get punched yeah, in the face for, for 25 minutes. That's not an insurance policy in the world that covers that shit. Wait, hold, on, hold on a second. Are you for real? Are you for real? The UFC doesn't offer the Of course insurance. not. This is one. This is America. Wait, hold on. Two, so, they're so, independent contractors. <laughs> what do you mean? Okay, but they have their own insurance now from someone else. Maybe you should interview them and figure it out. The only thing that they give them, though, let me say what they give them. <laughs> After every fight, they do a checkup in the hospital. Put them in the van in the hospital. Doctors, yeah, it's going to live. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Are they good? Are they good to the other Yo, I'm, I'm not gonna comment yeah, dude, on the that. The UFC is wild. Yo, the insurance thing is. Okay, I feel like I, the NFL I, insurance is kind of like egregious. The UFC one, maybe crazy idea. Okay. <laughs> all right. So, boom. West African startups. Obviously, we'll start with Bima. Bima is the granddaddy of them all. Um, two things to know: we have a full dedicated uh, episode about Bima, which is episode 39. So you can listen to us chat about it for two hours nonstop in full depth. Um, and we also have a short overview when we spoke about them on episode 14. So instead of repeating all of that, here's what we said about them on episode 14. Just a quick short overview of what we thought about them the last time. They are the leading provider of microinsurance, mobile delivered microinsurance. So w- what does this mean in regular English? So about 2% of people in their countries have insurance, like we said before. Because so few people have insurance, it's harder for people to get care that's manageable and makes sense from a financial perspective over time. And even more importantly, people may be less likely to seek medical care because they're worried about the costs. So that's what this company does. Their their headquarters in Stockholm, so so not necessarily in African companies. They were founded in 2010. And the two primary products they offer are life insurance and health insurance. And they've raised $200 million over the past 10 years. So again, another big deal. So I think in the insurance tech space, the companies, and, and I guess the pharmaceutical inventory space, the company seems to be much bigger. They said that they're profitable and they focus on 10 major African markets. So I, I like I like the fact they're offering insurance because it could, I don't know if it would solve all the problems, but it would help solve some of the more, um, it would help people not be worried about getting healthcare if they have quote unquote minor issues for those issues get much more serious later on. So prevention. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I, yeah I, but that's a, $200 million is a lot of money. Um, but I know. Yeah. That's, 200, they've raised $200 million over the past 10 years since they were founded in 2010. That's yeah. good. Well, that's good. I know. But they're doing very well. They have 31 million subscribers and they're in 10 countries and three African countries, Ghana, Tanzania, and uh, and Senegal, also in Asia. 
So, so far, so good. Interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, I'm going to talk a little bit about their business model because I think their business model is fascinating. So they have customers can sign up talking to 3,000 local agents. So it's basically like mobile money. And when they go to the mobile agents, the mobile agents will give them some information about how it works, the procedure. And then they pay with their phones and they can pay with airtime. So let's say they have credit on their phones for insurance. They sign up for one of the two insurance I said before. And then on their phones, they can access, they get access to different doctors. They can actually schedule appointments and they can also file claims. And when you file claims, there's no paperwork required. They pay them either through uh, mobile money or through other channels. And payments is done in one to three working days. What are the actual numbers? How does it actually work? So life yeah. insurance costs about a dollar Interesting for, for three months. And again, life insurance is if you have permanent disability or death, that's when you get the payout. And the payout is about $250. So about a million Ugandan shillings. And then medical insurance costs about $2. So twice as much as life insurance for six months. And the payout is 300,000 shillings, so $80. So these numbers seem small, but relative to the earnings of the people, it's actually, it, it actually makes a, a, a ton of sense. So not expensive. Relative also to very to similar uh, to the story of many businesses and entrepreneurship in Africa is that if you focus on the absolute numbers, you, you miss the forest for the trees in that like, exactly. what matters in business is margins. And not even margins as a percentage, margins as a dollar value. And that is a high margin business if I ever saw one. Probably as high margin as, a, as anything in the US on life insurance. Like that's, that's it. That's an incredible thing. I really think it, it's a future episode for, for us to, to think about. Cause I'm, I'm very curious to understand how do these solve the adverse selection problem? Like I, I, I would, we don't have access to the economics obviously, but I'd be curious to understand what if only people who have major issues are signing up, the numbers may start to skew in a negative direction. But anyway, a, yeah. a, a potentially f interesting future episode. I really like what they're doing. 31 million subscribers and raising $200 million. They're the biggest company we're going to talk about on the podcast. Yeah. So they're really a big deal. I'll give you an answer. Like you, you, you don't manage it. So how do you manage adverse election? You just don't. Let it happen. People, like, people who, want, who are sick and want to pay health insurance on those numbers, focus on growing the pool. Like just... You solve adverse selection by increasing the pool by growing aggressively. I, I love that. That's like saying, how, how do you get rich? You don't just stay poor. No. How do you get rich is you grow. <laughs> like, geez. Anyways. Okay. So next up is Reliance HMO, aka Reliance Health. So of course, we had to talk about Reliance. They're one of the largest consumer and sure tech players in Africa. Um, their tagline is actually a little bit funny. Their tagline is that they make quality healthcare affordable and accessible. Um, yeah, so I'm not sure what exactly that means. In regular English, it basically means they offer health insurance through Reliance HMO, which is their primary business. And they also offer telemedicine and a bunch of other health services through what they call Reliance Family Clinics. Um, which is a combination of first-party and third-party-owned um, uh, clinics. Okay, so for the purposes of this InsureTech review, I'll mostly talk about their HMO business because that's the insurance part of their business. But just to let you know, they do do a lot of broader things, the family clinic stuff, but we're not going to talk about that now. We're actually going to have a full Reliance HMO episode where we'll talk about the entire business in a few weeks so we can get more info about that later. Okay, so Reliance Health, boom. They were founded in 2015, well, around 2015, 2016 by Femi Kuti, Okbe Olumekun, and Matthew Mayaki. Um, I thought Reliance actually started out as an insurance provider. If you ask me, I'd have thought, oh, that's their primary business, but it actually turns out they started out with a focus on telemedicine, which 
was a little bit early in 2015, 2016, considering all the different bandwidth requirements and constraints in Nigeria. Okay, so I'm going to talk about their product and business strategy um, first, of course. That's my uh, <laughs> that's the part I like the most. Okay, so what's the, their strategy? They basically offer a few different things on the product side. They offer insurance for businesses, they offer insurance for people like regular retail consumers, and then for regular retail consumers' families. So there's a retail consumer part of their business, and then there's a core business part of their business. Um, so those are the products they offer. They offer something for regular big people and then for businesses. How do they monetize? Yeah, obviously they monetize by just charging uh, monthly premiums. So the monthly amount you pay for the insurance. Um, and then if it's a business, the business pays. If it's a consumer, the consumer pays. I, I thought their, their pricing was actually quite fascinating. Um, it was way cheaper than I thought it would be. For some reason, I thought it would be like super expensive. So how do they price? They have three different plans for, um, by the way, for the plans, these are for regular retail consumers. Their business plans, the pricing is hidden. You have to, <laughs> you have to negotiate that separately. Okay, so on the consumer side, they offer three different plans, one for 3,500, one for 6,000 and one for 13,500. So that 3,500 plan is approximately $5 per month. Um, at an exchange rate of 700 naira to a dollar. So yeah, $5 per month for the base insurance plan. Not bad at all. In fact, if you are a frequent affordability listener, you remember that ARPUs for telcos are like 2 to $3 per month, which seems to be the sweet spot if you want to get to mainstream adoption of regular consumer businesses in Africa. So cool to see they're actually close-ish to that range. They're a little bit above the range, obviously, but they're close-ish. So let's see how they get um, adoption. Um, although we don't know the customer segmentation, maybe they're bleeding losses. Maybe they plan to increase the prices later. Uh, maybe the business planning is more uh, business price is more expensive. But for the consumer pricing, three thousand five hundred naira, five dollars per month is actually quite attractive. It's a low enough price where it sort of makes sense, especially considering what I was saying before. It's close to what the telcos charge on a monthly basis. Okay, that's your product and business side. Let me talk about the investor side now. So on the investor side, they made it into YC in 2017. Cool. Um, in 2020 January, they raised around $6 million in their Series A, led by Partech. Um, and then in 2022 February, they raised around $40 million in their Series B. Uh, the valuation was rumored to be around $200 million to $250 million, and it was led by General Atlantic. General Atlantic is like a famous venture capital firm. Um, and I think venture, uh, General Atlantic said this was their first ever tech investment in Africa. So a really, really big deal. And also, I mean, $40 million is just a lot of money. Also, I didn't know this at the time, this Series B, the $40 million Series B, General Atlantic also said it was the largest ever Series B raised by an African health tech. So, wow, I knew Reliance was a big deal, but I didn't even realize the significance of the Series B rounds. We started doing this episode. So speaking of General Atlantic, Reliance actually has a massive list of like fantastic investors. So Partech, YC, Tencent, um, they also have M3, they have uh, Kola Ainos Fund, uh, Venture Platforms. So they just like a lot of good investors. Okay, so, yes, okay, so Reliance uh, HMO, right. health startup, sales insurance, it's pretty significant because health insurance is not something that consumers have. I think I've talked about this previous episodes that I lived in Nigeria for most of my life. And my first insurance, first time I was on insurance was when I got a job, like a job was my, my insurance. insurance. That's the one when you got the glasses. This is what I got, the glasses. In <laughs> Dubai. Basically, the edges, they sell sell insurance. And what has happened, especially in my peer group, as we get older, conversation comes to like, how do we buy insurance for our family who lives back home? Yes. And they just seem to be miles and miles apart. That's sort of the best option that I hear. 
over and over again for another chance. They raised 40 million total. Or maybe the last one was 40 million. That's maybe a lot. 40 million. I think they raised more than that. It's, that they're driving that insurance thing. And yeah. it, one thing that I look for in these consumer startups is when it starts coming into conversation, like Piggy Vest a few years ago, where people say stuff like, oh man, mm. look, I want to buy this new iPhone. I go go, I'll go break my Piggy Vest. I was like, that's a... <laughs> I don't know a single person that ever says to that. Say. You, you have very different friends than I do. So anyways, they've raised a bunch of money and they become the part of a conversation in a verb, like a noun, probably the one we're most excited about, future affordability episode. So that's health. For sure. We're going to go deep on them. So before yeah. we go to the next one, should I uh, buy Reliance for my mom? That's You know what's funny? I'm literally having the same conversation with five other of my friends and the answer is yes. Okay. Okay. I was going to say you guys should do the research. Okay. If you say yes. Then the answer I, is yes. Is it cheap? It's not that it, it should be cheap. cheap but it's, it tends to be really good value. That's the challenge, right? Because you have to compare it to the other alternatives. And I think many Nigerians are used to paying for insurance out of pocket, paying for healthcare out of pocket, which is, oh, I'm fine. I'm not sick. Even right. old people are like, oh, I'm fine. Like, bro, you have yeah. like 16 pre-existing yeah. conditions. You need insurance. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, the costs, the costs are zero, 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 five yeah. million, zero, zero, So zero, most people end million, up being zero, like, zero, so your mom will probably tell you, oh, I'm fine. I have this doctor. I go to the government. No, no, it's fine. I'll pay yeah. anyway. Exactly. So you need that. I'm an insurance guy. I have all sorts of insurance. You, you must always I have everything i'm big on getting it exactly i'm like a risk management guy protect you the downside have avoid the, comp- the risk of ruin exactly my point 100 percent. what's his name now someone said if i live 100 lifetimes i want to be rich in 99 of them yeah. so yeah th- that's me i don't believe in any luck shit play the game to win yeah anyways and it was naval that said it naval ravikant oh, yeah of course Legend, Afrobility legend. Those. I can't wait to do a proper full Afrobility episode about them in a few weeks, and you can get more. Um, so just listen, listen back in a few weeks to hear us talk even more about them. But that was just a quick teaser about uh, Reliance HMO, aka Reliance Health. All right. So next up is Cassava, uh, their B 2 C insurance provider. They describe themselves as Nigeria's first hundred percent digital insurance company. Um, yeah, it's cassava.com with a single S, not two S's. They're actually a little bit similar to the South African companies we were talking about earlier. So like Naked and Pineapple. The founder, Bode Pedro, worked at another insure tech before this called Visa Cover. So we can see there's this recurring theme of sector relevance experience that's coming up all the time on this specific episode. Okay, so a little bit about uh, their product offering, and then I'll talk a little bit about their funding as well. So their product offering. First thing you should know is they actually have an actual micro-insurance license. Um, I went onto the website and I saw they provide both income protection and health insurance. So income protection, aka salary protection, I was like, oh wait, wow, that's intriguing. We haven't yet come across that. What is it exactly? They describe it as a product that provides financial benefits to workers even if they lose their job. So so on a surface level, I was like, wow, this is very cool. And it's the only example we've seen of this kind of insurance so far. Uh, and basically, you pay a monthly premium. Uh, and then you pay a monthly premium to cover either 30%, 50%, or 70% of your salary. And then they give you up to six months of your salary if anything happens to your job, if your employment is terminated. Uh, so potentially interesting. And it's a different entry point um, than I would expect. Personally, I'd like to get a little bit deeper to even understand more about the structure, the timing, um, how long does this work for? It just seems like for stuff like this, you need to know the all the details and all the nitty gritty. So for example, I read 
the detailed policy documents, and I saw there was a waiting period of four months after you sign before they even um, allow any claims to be processed. So those are the kind of gotchas they have to look at when you're looking at insurance. But yeah, I thought it was cool, a very unique entry point, something we haven't yet seen on the on the episode. On the funding side, they raised $4 million in their pre-seed round in 2022 February, which I was like, wow, $4 million, damn, just for, for pre-seed. So that's remarkable for a pre-seed company. Um, the round was led by Target Global, which we know they're famous for CUDA, the CUDA investments. And speaking of CUDA, actually, both founders of CUDA actually invested in this. So I don't know what that means in terms of a potential future partnership or some alignment, but yeah, we'll see how that goes. The founders of Paystack also invested. So Shola, founder of Flutterwave, GP invested, just basically like an all-star cast of investors. So intriguing, they have that. Um, okay, so that is the, the the product. They also have yeah, health insurance, obviously regular health insurance. It's like 1,600 an hour per month, which is actually cheaper than even... Um, that's even cheaper than Reliance HM we were talking about before. But uh, yeah, they haven't fully launched that. So maybe when they do a full launch, we can talk more about the health insurance side of their business. It looks like they're primarily focused now on the income slash salary protection. Uh, protection. In terms of adoption, they say they have about around 66,000 customers as of 2022 February. And uh, yeah, that I don't know if that's a higher note, low number. Sounds like a good-ish start. They also said they have about $6 million in insurance coverage, uh, which I don't know. I don't know what to make of the number, but so far, so good. Off to a good start. I'm just more amazed by the type of investors they already have on their cap table and the fact they're using the salary protection as an entry point. It seems like it's easier to sell, um, and then they can add other layers later. So yeah, $4 million. Let's see how they do. Um, and that is it for Cassava. Okay. Microinsure, microinsure, and Airtel. I think one common thread I don't want to belabor yes. the point is in partnership with Airtel, somebody gets rewards. You get more health insurance. The more Airtel, you, the more airtime you buy. The user base of three million two years after launch. I'm like, I don't even know why I trust all these numbers. If all these people have insurance, three million. Yo, bro, those are the, those are that's the insurance that covers a Panadol. Don't. <laughs> <laughs> they'll give they'll you give water. You water and if they give you bottled water, so if you're lucky. But the <laughs> common trend you find in West African insurance, maybe Be My Health is here as well, previous episode. The common trend you find in West African insurance is about is relying on partnerships for distribution and going in, after that mm-hmm. at the end of the market. What I don't have good visibility yeah. into is how what happens next, how the claims process works. And maybe I should sign up for a bunch of them when next time in Lagos and try to claim something and see. Yeah. Yeah. It's so fascinating to me that we started with the Brazilian market comparison. I just feel if you're already giving loans to customers and you're figuring out a way to reach them, it's just a very similar business. There's some, I hate to use the word synergy, yeah. but let's go with it. I, there's some synergy with, we figure out the customer acquisition cost, yeah. figure out the distribution. And by the way, loans, there's a collection process on loans, which is the same as a claim yeah. process. Some similarities there. I'm also curious to see the telco angle. I almost feel yeah. like telcos should be playing a bigger piece playing right in this whole they're, puzzle, they're probably they're the biggest consumer insurers on the continent in africa they're not playing a big role in south Fair. africa so okay. the, the lesson Ooh. the big lesson i find from the west africa is the distribution and distribution via the telcos i don't know what that means for adoption of the user experience there to be fair i don't know where the best place to assess that insurance and how that works but i guess it's better than nothing but i don't know if it actually is better than nothing because if everybody gets this disease and yeah. they can pay by getting insurance yeah, I, uh, I'll come back to this in my summary. I just feel that banks have great distribution and they're used to servicing low-income users. Telcos have great distribution. They're used to servicing low-income users. 
I think they could be doing even more. Seems like they're doing a little bit in Western Africa, less in Southern Africa, and not as much in Eastern Africa yeah. when we talk about, but a little bit surprising so, the role. Eastern Africa, let's do it. Uh, Lamy is what I'm going to talk about first. L-A-M. Oh. And you would think Lamy is out of scope because they're a B2B API company. They're actually very, very similar to Curacell. So earlier we said Curacell, it enables other businesses yeah. offer insurance. But I'm going to tell this right. You see why we're including Lamy. So L-A-M-I was founded in 2018, 2019 in Kenya. Its first product was Griffin, which was released in 2020. And Griffin was a B2C motor insurance app. So beautiful mm-hmm. insurance app for consumers. But Griffin was built on the Lamy platform. And at the time, Griffin claimed to be the first digital-only insurance company in Kenya. And people could buy insurance in less than two minutes. Yeah. Sound familiar? Yeah. Yes, sounds very familiar. All of them. Always say the same thing. One minute. We help minutes, businesses like we sell saw the naked, coverage like that customers need. Right. Okay. But later in 2020, they pivoted away from this B2C strategy and they pivoted to a B2B platform strategy. So less of a focus on Griffin and more of a focus in, more of a focus on enabling other businesses offer insurance through Lamy's APIs. Yeah. So just like Curacell. So because it's B2B, it's a little bit outside the scope. But because they're initially B2C, let's talk about them anyway. Lamy's cool to me for very. It's cool to me for many different reasons. First. CEO's background is awesome. Mm-hmm. Jihan Abbas is CEO, born 1993, 1994, which means she was around 26 when she started nice. the company. Young female founder, awesome. Also, they've already been involved in some MA, even though they've only been around for a few years. They bought another company, and that company was folded into them. They have a nice set of customers. KCB, Kenyan Central yeah. Bank is a customer. Jumia, Sandy. Market Force, Future yeah. Affordability episode. Sandy, exactly. Stambic, Future Affordability episode. Sky Garden, and you just have a great set of customers. And it's like nicely balanced, like one large bank, one e-commerce, two large banks, one e-commerce, one delivery platform. Cool. They've raised around $5.6 million in four years. Their last round was led by Harlem Capital. Shout out to Harlem Capital, a great fund. They, so I spoke previously about the acquisition and the company they acquired was called Blue Wave Insurance. And because of that acquisition, they're now in more geos. So okay. They're not just only in Kenya. They are in Kenya, Malawi, and DRC. And the CEO of the acquired company joined Lamy. And guess her background? Actuarial science. Actuarial science yeah. in undergrad. So current theme, that second company CEO was an actuarial science person. And then to wrap up the story, in early 2022, they announced they would be coming to Nigeria huh? Yeah. and North African countries. Yeah. So they're in East, they're going to do West Nigeria and then North. And then in late 2022, they actually announced they are already in Nigeria and Egypt. So not quite sure how big the operations team is. Maybe they just started, but potentially interesting company to yeah. look at. They have great investors from America. They have a lot of money. CEO has been around for a while. They've done an acquisition. They have good customers. They're doing expansion. Looks potentially good. Potential future affordability episode. Yeah. I, I like it. It's also like the same, I'm in the rebels or what's the thing that people like to, smart tech people like to say. Correct. Like yes, writing, yes. Sending shovels on a gold rush. Yeah, so the CEO of this next company said something that made me go, huh, that makes sense. Mm-hmm. I plugged back to this Lamy story. So next company is M-Tech, M-T-E-K. Mm-hmm. M-Tech is a B2C online insurance platform. So it enables consumers educate themselves about mm-hmm. insurance, said there was an understanding gap, compare insurance, and then buy insurance directly mm-hmm. from M-Tech. And then also file claims. So they do all that. They have all sorts of insurance, medical, health, travel, motor, life. They have all yeah. sorts. And the reason they have such a wide coverage is because their whole strategy is partnerships with other underwriters. So they're like a broker. They have like between 35 and 40 underwriters on the platform. And the CEO said they don't charge underwriters for putting them on the platform. Okay. That's curious. 
Now, one thing she said to me that was very interesting. So in an interview, the CEO, and by the way, okay, context, CEO is Bente Krogman. So the CEO is actually from Germany, but she lives in Kenya. My Kenyan people, shout out to local founders. So Bente from Germany, she said, someone asked her, oh, why aren't you doing B2B? And she said something that was like, hi, very interesting. She said, if we did a B2B API Mm -hmm. play, so similar to Lamy or Curacel, that would be more about optimizing the current market. But she said, what I'm trying to do is expand the market and get more people to have insurance. And I was like, okay, that sort of makes sense. Because if you think about it, if you offer businesses APIs, they'll continue to do whatever they were doing before more efficiently. But if you directly offer consumers insurance, you can expand the market if your main goal is to increase penetration. Makes sense. What what are your thoughts on that? It really made me go, huh, the lady has an interesting point. That's what uh, Minuto Seguro started from, right? Which is going after non-consumption. So that's the opportunity for insurance in Nigeria, right? Not to sell healthcare to you or me, but it's if, I don't know, your mom in Nigeria can ostensibly afford insurance or doesn't have insurance, that's kind of wild, right? And should have insurance. Some of like, you should figure out who those people are and trying to sell to them aggressively. And businesses that make that good are the ones that are going to be but quality insurance, not not I, I micro guess, insurance. But like, yeah, but I guess she's right. But I'm not sure if I fully agree because if you do a B two B API play and you offer other businesses offer insurance, you could still increase the market that way. It's just it's indirect. But it's competitive. So if, if, if let's make sense, competitive. That's the problem. It's it. But is it competitive or is it like Blue Ocean? Because if Sendy is using mm-hmm. Lamy. If, if Sandy is using Lamy's APIs to offer insurance to customers that want to send packages, those customers now have access to insurance and they didn't have access before. So it's still like you're increasing the penetration. But yes, you are increasing the penetration, but it's not a big enough size. And those customers might, might have insurance from somebody else because they're a business sending packages on Sandy. Yeah, yeah, but that's the same thing with MTech. If you have B2C, those customers may also have insurance somewhere else. So you really They're unlikely to do because we know that businesses have more insurance than humans. So it's a probability game. Yes, yeah, yeah. No, no, I, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. It just it's hard for me to accept that. Don't do not don't be controlled. That are don't be controlled B2B. by dogma. Just I know that the B two B dogma is strong. Huh. Yeah, I, I find it interesting to say if you're doing B two B APIs insurance, you're yeah. not expanding the market. Expansion only comes on B two C. Something doesn't sit right okay. with me in that. I I don't believe it, but I like the point because it makes me think. Um, okay, so that is MTech. Any no. thoughts on MTech? Nothing else. Yeah. It's like a typical B2C player. The only thing that's unique about them is the founder is not from yeah. Kenya, and they're explicitly targeting and going deep on B2C, and they're not even talking about a pivot. Cool. They also have a white label solution that other companies can use to distribute insurance. All right, next company, Turaco. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. T-U-R-A-C-O. Yeah. Insurance platform that enables other companies offer insurance within their products. So extremely similar to Lamy, yeah. extremely similar to Curacel, basically API plays. Founded in 2018, they raised around $13 million. So they've raised a lot of money from Novastar and African Vests. So famous Afrobility players. The Novastar was in their seed round and in their Series A. So maybe the numbers probably look good. And yeah, compared to other insure tech platforms, they actually offer a wide variety of insurance types. And they do a lot of offline stuff, as we yeah. saw in India and Brazil. Finally, Safaricom, we're not going to talk about this a lot. Listen to our Afrobilly episode six, but Safaricom actually has a lot of insurance products. Safaricom is the biggest telco in Kenya, biggest telco in East Africa. Apollo Insurance and Poor, they actually do insurance for farmers, but I'm counting them as out of scope because there's for SMEs. Uh, and that's basically, it. I think the big takeaway of Kenya is just a lot yeah. of B2B API plays. And I'm, I like counter cyclical thinking. That's why I like MTech. Yeah. I believe the CEO thinks about it. Go against the grain. It may not work out, 
may go bust, but why not? There are a lot of people that would <laughs> listen to this podcast and say why we left out the tons of people that are. It's interesting how you think about the startups, right? There's two things we left out. One is agricultural startups, which is fine. Yeah, SMEs. Uh, yes, I can't. But also, there's out. a lot of people like insurance is begging to be bundled. It's almost that yes. when we, even the examples I had from West Africa are like bundled with telco credit or telco premiums are bundled with something else, right? Or if employee covers the premiums and somebody else pays for it or things like that. Or you bundle it with a loan as in, in Minutos and we'll talk about that in a second. Different models that we can use to stretch out. And we just completely ignore those things. And maybe that's where the opportunity is because it's a couple of things have to be true. Vast majority of Africans are in agriculture. True. In substance agriculture, true. Very true. They're, they're underbanked, underpensured by the financial system, also true. Many of them are also subsistence, which is a use for farming, true. Definitely need insurance, also true. That's where the insurance for market sure. is, and everybody else is dilly-dallying on, on the margins. No, you're right. I guess this is like a definitional issue. We have done an agri-tech episode, and we've done agriculture yeah. deep dives. In all those episodes, we talk about farmers and companies offer them loans. On this episode, we're carving it up because we're doing consumer, but for sure it's big. In fact, if you talk yeah. to Apollo, the primary business is lending. It's just they're do, it's insurance and lending, but they're not, they wouldn't call themselves an insurance yeah. company. They're helping farmers with all that they're I mean, So you're right. We should talk about Greek. That's, that's a very different Pula episode. Pula does insurance as well. Oh, I saw one, Jami, Jami, yes, Tanzania. So Ooh, number number nice. of them as, as, as I, I think that the agricultural part is significant. And that's where people just focus on because it's securitized. So and you can see the, you can see yes. the asset you're, you're lending. I think so. But you have to do it in a more comprehensive view. If you go to a farmer, I say we're going to offer you insurance. It's way less attractive then Apollo saying seeds, fertilizer, training, and you have to do the whole package yeah. because otherwise it falls on. That's why it's not, it doesn't really fit in this episode. It that's fits right. in that's an right. agriculture that's help farmers right. episode. Because if I'm a farmer, I'll even be surprised. What do you mean I need insurance? Like literally, if you give me better seeds, I could triple my yield. So why the fuck do I yeah. care about insurance? Surely I care yeah. about the seeds first because that's okay. my yield rate. Obviously you want insurance in case the, the crop doesn't, the yield yeah. don't materialize. But anyway, in interesting. Okay. If you're listening to this and you want to get more information, listen to our Apollo and Thrivic Greek episodes. We go yeah, deep on makes this. makes sense. Okay, so let's finally wrap up all the regions and talk about North Africa. North Africa. Okay, of course, we'll kick off by talking about Egypt because uh, Egypt is the largest country uh, in the region and most of the biggest startups typically start from Egypt. So the first company, first company we're going to talk about is Amenli, A-M-E-N-L-I. I seems to be the biggest insure tech player there. They're basically a B2C consumer insure tech brokerage platform. So they're quite similar to Naked and Pineapple Insurance in South Africa that I spoke about earlier. In fact, uh, <laughs> just like Naked and Pineapple Insurance, they say they can get, uh, users can get insurance in one to three minutes. Um, or uh, Amendly says 10 minutes, Pineapple says one to three, Naked says one to three. Basically, all these companies are just trying to say, look, if you're a regular person, you can get insurance very, very quickly versus getting regular paperwork. So there are, they are broker, their platform where users come on the platform and then they buy insurance. I went on the website to check it out and I was like, oh, okay, it looks cool, looks familiar. Uh, the founding team is pretty interesting. They came from the FinTech PayMob. Uh, if you want to know more about PayMob, check out our Fowry episode where we spoke about them. The CEO of Amendly claimed that the mass market, uh, the mass consumer market has been ignored in Egypt and he founded the company to go after that market because everyone else is either targeting large businesses or doing something a little bit different. So basically he saw an opportunity 
and he created a Medley to go after that opportunity. So let me talk a little bit about their product strategy. As of 2022, October, they offer many different insurance products, actually. Uh, they offer medical insurance, car insurance, home insurance, and travel insurance. So they have a little bit different strategy than we saw with Naked Insurance or Pineapple Insurance. If you remember Naked and Pineapple, they had much more focused, specific offerings. They're only offering few types of insurance, but it seems Manly is offering more, so they're taking a broader scope. Uh, I guess they're trying to start wide because a lot of open space, and then later on, maybe they'll modify their strategy. But yeah, slightly different strategies. Also, the fact that Manly offers travel insurance almost tells me that they're probably... They're targeting a more affluent demographic, at least initially, and then maybe they can expand over time. So yeah, cool, cool stuff. Now, their investors, they got into YC in 2021. Yeah, yeah, YC, huh? Good stuff. Um, and then after they got into YC in 2021, they raised around $2.3 million as their seed round. So a lot of money um, for the region. The round was co-led by P1 uh, Ventures, GFC, Anim Fund uh, also had a bunch of other players, you know, so Liquid 2, yeah, that's the same Liquid 2, the back Tripper Cash, Famous and Affordability, uh, Costanoa VC, which you know about. Also, P1 uh, was in One Pipes seed round. So, yeah, a cool set of initial investors and a lot of money that, that they raised. So, um, and in fact, the amount of money they raised is sort of similar to the amount of money Cassava raised because Cassava raised $4 million, um, also pre-seed slash seed. So, yeah, they have enough money and time to figure out the market. Very, very curious to see what they eventually do on this one. They have the right backing. They have cash. They have time. They have the YC network. Be curious to see how their story evolves. Maybe, who knows, maybe even a potential future affordability episode. Okay, so next up is Amanleek, A-M-A-N-L-E-E-K. Hope I'm pronouncing that correctly. If not, forgive me. Um, so they're an insurance platform that offer car insurance, health insurance, and life insurance. I went on their website. Ugly. Oh, my goodness. I don't know if that's their... Um, <laughs> if that's their design aesthetic or if they're about to revamp the website. Anyway, they're quite small. They've only raised about 35000 not million, $35,000, so tiny. And they haven't made any major announcements in a while. Their website uh, looks like it hasn't been updated. Their Twitter hasn't been updated. So, yeah, I don't know if they're working in the background, secretly crushing it, or if they're, like, about to wind down. But I wanted to bring it up because they're another major player, also in Egypt, also offering insurance to people, but significantly smaller um, and lower profile than um, than Amendi. Okay, third up, Nice Deer, N-I-C-E, Nice, and then Deer, D-E-E-R. Um, strange name. Um, <laughs> I honestly don't know what to make of the name, but fine, that's neither here nor there. They sell insurance uh, to SME, so they're sort of outside the scope of this episode. I just wanted to quickly touch on them because I saw they raised a million dollars in pre-seed, so a lot of money. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on them because that's more business insurance, but I saw the amount of money they raised. I'm like, hmm, uh, we should keep our eye on them. Okay, next up, uh, we should move to Tunisia. Okay, uh, so there's a company called Avidia Tunisia, A-V-I-D-E-A. They were founded in 2017. So they're quite actually a little bit older than most of the players we've spoken about today. They provide different solutions to make insurance companies more effective. So they're like, they're a business platform that offers different services for businesses. So not really B2C, not really consumer. I just thought they were interesting and they're in Tunisia. I like Tunisia. I thought, I thought I'll talk about them. What kinds of products do they offer? They, they have an API called DigiClaim um, that makes it better and easier to manage claims by centralizing all the participants on a system, yada, yada, yada. They have a bunch of different things. So I'm not, not going to spend a lot of time on them. They're outside the scope of the podcast, but they raised around $696,000 in 2022 in a quote-unquote pre-series A, let's just say seed plus round. So let's see how they do in the future. Um, curious to see they've already been around for 
four or five years and they're still on their seed stage. Um, yeah, I guess maybe maybe they were bootstrapping for a while. Okay, yeah. So cool company. We'll see how they evolve a little bit outside of school with this episode. Um, and yeah, that is it for North Africa. I think overall, like North African startups are way smaller than we saw in other regions, especially compared to South Africa. Like obviously South, African ha- South Africa has a lot of really large startups. Um, it'll be interesting to see how the space evolves over time. Most of the startups that seem more interesting currently in Egypt. Let's see if other startups start to come out in other regions. So that is it. We've been through all the regions. Whew, that was a lot. So we talked about South Africa, West Africa, East Africa, North Africa. Now we can finally go ahead and summarize the entire episode. Oh my God, these uh, these sector episodes are always uh, a challenge because going through all these different regions and talking about the companies, it's a lot to research for. But yeah, we made it on to the next part of the podcast. It's still very early. I'm having, you know, those, you know, the EdTech, remember we did the EdTech episode that we did this for all the startups in EdTech? We're like, there's so many people doing similar things, but nothing has like, not many things have reached escape velocity yet. Um, yes, yes. Reliant HMO. Is if we leave South Africa, sorry, Reliance HMO seems to be the big one that's made the most amount yeah. of impact and raised the most amount of money, which doesn't mean it's going to win, but it, it seems to be a little bit ahead. So if you compare it to EdTech, there was no EdTech company that it raised as much money as Reliance in Africa. Mm-hmm. Will insurance ever be like a thing? Do you think will African countries ever get to like 5, 7, 10%? Or what do you think about like super apps, but primarily like insurance as part of a super app? Because I'm, I'm really forcing you to talk about like the bundling versus it's being sold individually. So the way here you buy insurance. Why yeah, are you obsessed with bundling anyway? Because you kind of. Obsc- I have a I have a very very detailed I have detailed thoughts about okay. super apps which I can go into. But how, as it relates to insurance, I don't want to get better super apps or not. As it relates to insurance specifically, okay. I'm not here for your thesis. <laughs> so I shouldn't just. I'm not here for your thesis. Wow. First of all, super apps don't exist in Africa. So the question almost is even. The question is not even, the question is two orders of, the question yeah, is two steps removed from reality. So, but, 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 let's, let, but let's, let's reframe the question as yeah. popular apps. Why don't popular apps offer more insurance? Let's do it that way. Okay. And then let's look at the popular apps or services. This leads back to the question I was saying before. Mm-hmm. In terms of consumer popularity, that's just another way of yeah. saying large distribution. And really, it's interesting to me that if we look at telcos, yeah. Banks and large fintechs, those three categories, none of them offer a lot of insurance. Now, telcos a little banks bit. Banks do. Banks do. Actually, actually, I was going to say it's something called bank assurance where the banks, yeah, it's a whole arrangement. It's a thing. Sorry, in France, really weird. Banking is weird. But banks are allowed to sell insurance with an insurance partner. But it's very, this started in Nigeria in 2017, but very strict regulations about how they market it. So it makes sense if Standard Chartered is giving you like a bank loan, they'll work with coordination insurance to provide you comprehensive insurance. But, 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 but they don't really sell it. They don't really push it. It's not, they, they, they there push There are strong restrictions for how they can, they're never allowed to advertise about it. They're never allowed to even give you a flyer about it. They only have how to direct you to the agent of the insurance company probably sitting in the same branch. It's actually very, very interesting. My overarching thoughts. Normally, my summary sections, <laughs> if you list a lot of affordability, my summary sections have four or five, six places. This time it's short and sweet. Two different categories in my summary. First category is observations about consumer insure tech in Africa, which is going to answer some of your questions. Second category is observations about specific companies in insure tech in Africa. Okay, let's start with the, the sector. So we start off by saying insurance in Africa is low, right? Between one and 3%, depending on how you calculate. Well, the reason it's low to me is primarily a poverty question. So people don't have money for insurance. And then secondarily, an education question. 
So, so that's my perspective. So at the end of the day, it's viewed as a luxury, right? And it's a luxury the most Africans don't care about because they have low incomes. If you are, let's pick Ghana. If you are living in a low-income place in Ghana, you don't give a shit about insurance. Like, like Let me you, you have to think about right. other things. I, I agree with that, but I, I think that's true for car insurance or boat insurance, right? Or motorcycle insurance. But health insurance or agricultural production insurance, because what you're confusing is the beneficiary of the insurance should pay for the premiums. If that's the case, then that, that's the case. But I think that there's more, like, I don't know, like the NHS. Like somebody just needs to pay those premiums or fund those premiums and we can still have an insurance that is, we can still have a thriving insurance ecosystem of business with those relationships. So that's, maybe that's my caveat to what you're talking about. Yes, you are talking about, you're talking about a, a hypothetical. I'm talking about the situation on the ground. You're saying if this happened, then this, but those things don't exist. So you're right, but I'm talking about reality on the ground. There is no NHS type system to help like a poor person living in Accra to get insurance. What you're saying is, therefore, insurance is dead. I'm like, yes, I agree with you. No, I, I didn't say insurance is dead. Okay, okay. Finish, <laughs> Did I finish, say finish. that? Okay, go ahead. I, I haven't even finished. Okay, so so we start off by saying it's super low. And I think the reason, those are two reasons. Poverty question, education question. Most Africans have low incomes, therefore, they don't give a sh- shit about it. So until we get to a point where people have more money, I don't have high hopes for meaningful increase in insurance rates in most African countries. Now, the obvious rebuttal to this, obviously someone could hear it, but like, no, no, no. Instead of waiting for people to have more money, modify insurance to make it either more bite-sized, cheaper, or get a third party to pay. And that would yeah. be a useful antidote because then it doesn't matter how much money they have because it's bite-sized, which matches their income, which is, by the way, the reason why telcos became so big. Like, you think people are quote-unquote poor in Africa. Well, they fucking pay for mm-hmm. telcos and they pay for airtime, so surely they can afford something. And then if someone else, is paid, if someone else pays, it doesn't matter. So I would say those are useful antidotes. But it remains to be seen if they okay. actually happen that way. Because in India, which also has low income, there is no bite-sized insurance that works for lower-income people. There is no third-party person paying for insurance. So other markets haven't evolved to the point where we have a similar outcome. Now, maybe it could happen, but looking at India, looking at Brazil, looking at China... All the- we haven't seen the models where somebody else pays come up in an emerging market. Correct. Where somebody else pays for stuff. Correct. Now, another rebuttal, I, I always think about both sides of the argument. Someone can say, well, Safaricom, M-Pesa, M-Pesa was the first to make it bite-sized to work, and that was Africa. But M-Pesa is a little bit different. Like, that is mm-hmm. not directly comparable to a health insurance company. So anyway, that's the first point around affordability. The second point is around education. I'm not going to spend a lot of time on this. I think education is positively correlated to income. So if the income situation is solved, the education will be solved as well. Like people yeah. are super smart. People living in like Tanzania, Zimbabwe, Nigeria, they're really, really smart. It's not that they don't know about insurance. They don't yeah. want to pay for it, right? They're just not interested in paying for it. Yeah. They do the math in their head. And they think I pay X Naira per month, X CDs per month. I'm not going to get it. So a lot of people are like, oh, educate them, show them benefits. No, it's not super difficult. It's not like a super difficult thing. They just don't want it. That's just the truth of the situation. I think it's much more likely to be solved. This is a very uncomfortable thing, conclusion I'm drawing, which is they don't want it, which is they're either making a bad choice. Because if you live in the US, if you live in the West, you'd be like, what do you mean you don't want insurance? What the hell is that? Right? So, <laughs> yeah. What do, we, what do you mean you don't want insurance? That's strange, right? Or you don't need insurance, right? And I want to say, are you saying that Africans don't need insurance? Because it's like, whoa, 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 whoa. Right or people in America can have insurance. People in Nigeria don't need health insurance, but at the same time, people are making rational decisions. But like, look, I get malaria, you know, three four times a year, 
You know, I nap, eat some Indomie, take some Panadol. Yep, Miss Malaria is killing people in aggregate, right? But in the video, we'll say in a major yeah. Nigerian city, we'll say, we'll say that and say like, I don't want to pay a couple hundred naira a month that I end of a month I've given them, you know. And it's a logical decision. I would do the same if I were them because look, let's look at it much more specifically. If you live, if you have low income in America, people don't have insurance in America because they don't have money for it. Exactly. So, so, so I, I forget now, I used to have this out of the top of my head, but there's a large percentage of Americans who are uninsured. It's decreased because of ACA, right? Affordable Healthcare Obamacare. But before that, there's mass, and that's in America because again, they're doing the calculus. If you're, we're going to make up stuff on the, on the fly. I'm in my 20s. I don't fall sick. My net worth is $18,000. Why the fuck would I pay for insurance? I only have $18,000. Like if you have hundreds of thousands, you're in 60s, you should pay. So even those people are doing the math. So we don't want to sound negative. We have a frame it is based on their income levels and their hierarchy of needs. It doesn't make sense for them to pay based on the cost structure of what's offered to them. So that sounds longer. That's not a soundbite, but that's just the truth of it. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. Second piece, observations about the companies. I think InsureTech is off to a good start. A lot of smart driven entrepreneurs, they're trying different angles, B2C, B2B, APIs, partner with telcos, agriculture. So far, so good. There's a healthy geo spread. Mm -hmm. A lot of stuff in Eastern, Southern Africa, uh, Western, Northern. None of the players are quite large. Interesting to see how Reliance is making forward, uh, making progress. It's definitely a market I will watch over time. I'm just curious to see how they solve the income issue, the payment issue, and figuring out a way for either someone else to pay or modify the product such that the costs seem palatable based on the person's expectation of value. That's what I'm curious to see happens. Are we are we are we going to see something at Flutterwave scale in the next three years? Flutterwave scale means get to a billion dollar valuation or you mean something else? Yeah. Yeah, exactly. One one, not three like Flutterwave. Just call it one. One billion three years from now. Three years. I think it's unlikely. Unlikely. If you got to think about it, then the answer is yeah, no. It's, 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 okay. it's unlikely because a billion a billion dollars net worth means hundreds of millions of revenue based on multiples. Hard to get to hundred millions of revenue based on where the companies are now. So I, I don't think so. But, but that's fine. Even the impact can be dispersed. You can have fifteen two hundred million dollar companies. That's better than one one billion one. Do you think we'll have fifteen two hundred million dollar companies? I'm very no. What what I'm what I'm forcing you to say is that InsurTech is not a lucrative field for a startup founder to be looking into on the average on the average i'm forcing you to say it now because that's, that's, those are the conclusions Cons from your statement the way i would frame it is consumer insure tech we didn't spend a lot of time on b2b api stuff that's a little bit different consumer insure tech is way harder business than other things a smart entrepreneur could put their, their money on because the reason is very very simple the reason is the same Every time we do affordability, it's always that like any consumer facing business is hard. People just don't have money. Like there's there's no way around it. You can sugarcoat it. At the end of the day, like the person thinks about food, clothes, education, entertainment. What point is the list is fucking insurance? Like it's maybe 17th on the list. I'm the alumni interpreter, right? So there's two parts to it. There's consumer businesses are hard in Africa, period. That's a fact. Everybody who's paid knows this. Then insurance businesses are hard, period, globally, by the way. Insurance is hard to sell globally. When you then combine both, you are, when you when you combine both, you are squaring the risk of like, and then you add all the regular, normal, like African, OPEX, and rule of law, property rights, bunch of and, stuff. And, and, and then don't forget, like, you have to add, don't this do business it. specifically needs 
some technical, mathematical, actuarial probability skill sets, which makes it even harder. Some other consumer businesses, you're smart, I'm smart, we put together a doc, do it, hustle, go on the go. This is this is not about this industry is only above, <laughs> is only slightly above lending in this hierarchy. I figured it out. Yeah, okay. So that's my piece on it. Um, I was talking about the companies. I'm curious to see if I always look at tech in different markets, right? So the US evolved one way, China evolved the other way. Um, LADAM is evolving this way. Europe is evolving this way. Maybe there's something about Africa tech where insurance will develop in a way which is unexpected and much more beneficial. That's why I love the Safari common pass angle. Yeah, well, Bankoli says, but maybe, maybe not. But I'm just curious. Maybe there's something out of the box that happens and makes it actually palatable for people. I'm very curious um, because I, I thought about if I'm living in America and I want to get insurance, the first thing I would think is I'll get the insurance app. Geico app, State Farm app, Progressive app. But if it turns out that the B2B API companies are so successful, maybe they would actually get insurance from those other places. So maybe it would just be a different evolution. I don't know a single person in America that says, oh, I got insurance from another non-insurance app. How would you, it's such a weird flow. Who would do that? But also, but also that in Africa, for insurance, distribution is not even nearly top five challenges. You know what I'm saying? That's actually very interesting. So all this challenges that people are solving distribution is kind of like cool, but that's not, you know, that's a small percentage of the overall challenge that people are having, which is not true for, I don't know, Le- FinTech. Like, uh, I think MTN Momo, MTN Momo in a, in a couple of years has more subscribers than Kuda Bank or Airtel has more subscribers than Kuda Bank. Like in a, in a matter of, you know, despite Kuda Bank's head start, right? Because of distribution. Mm. So that's true for, for FinTech, but for insurance, it's kind of like, Distribution is it's not that big a blocker here because people already don't want to. Yeah, because it's, it's so simple. Look at the Delta and experience. Lending is, I will give you money. Okay, think about that option. Insurance <laughs> is, I will take your money every month and maybe give you money. It's just like common sense tells you, obviously, one of them is more yeah. attractive. <laughs> it's not even close because the money the first one gives you, okay. you can convert it to food, education, me, and The other one is you're literally me, paying them for nothing, quote unquote, nothing. You are making me, it's like I should just scrap my own. My own song. No, no, no. Right. Don't don't scrap it. Different perspectives. Okay. And, and, and <laughs> to wrap, I'll pass it back. The, the wrapping is simple. I, I personally find I've learned a lot. I learned a lot from doing this episode research, consumer marketing, mm-hmm. angle, different colors, beautiful graphics, the ads of naked, the ads. Of, I find it very cool. As a B2B guy, I found it interesting to understand the mindset of pitching to customers because it reminds me of a lot of D2C decks I see in America. Like we're doing like tea, fancy tea or fancy chocolate or cut you like, okay. <laughs> I guess, yeah, you could raise, be a unicorn selling fancy tea. But this is this is the first time in Africa tech where I've seen marketing that appeals to customer sentiment. Fast, so I, I learned a lot. I'm curious to see how m develops in this um, because I feel like insurance could be a key pillar to monetizing fintechs. So I'm curious to see if there are any tabs with fintechs and insurance. You know when we do the fintech episode, I go through a whole- And that floats, and that, and that floats, and that floats revenue, right? Because people are paying you for- quote unquote, nothing. It's not nothing, but quote unquote. Um, and, and then, yeah, to, to wrap, I'm curious to see how telcos get involved, MTN getting bigger, Airtel getting bigger, and Orange, we didn't talk about Orange on this episode. Why can't Orange get bigger in this? Banks, Standard Bank, what, what's Standard Bank doing? You said Bank Assurance. I don't yeah. see them pushing it. Maybe they can't. GTB do something. The FinTechs, Opay. It would be interesting to see if Opay could launch some insurance product. Why not? Time Bank, I went through everything in South Africa. Nothing with Time Bank, but, but they... They raised almost $100 million. Why not? Kuda, we saw. I'm just curious. Those three stakeholders, I want to see them getting more involved, either directly or through fintechs. Let's see how that evolves. So overall, I'm not super optimistic about this sector, but I'm very curious to see it plugged into other sectors, specifically fintech. So that's my summary. Fascinating. Fascinating. That was great. So I started off being 
neutral, I became positive. I think it's the thing I've become much more biased, mm. right? So a couple of parts of my summary is the first thing is like insurance being um, an outcome, an output of economic growth. Mm. So I saw a bunch of metrics analysis that compare um, a percentage points increase in penetration is correlated with a two percentage points increase in GDP. So you, you kind of see like the more, the wealthier people are as measured by GDP, the more they have insurance. Mm. And it's sort of one of those things that come from the more people have, the more they are afraid about losing it. Insurance is primarily come from a fear of loss. And as long as people don't have any money or any assets, or a single amount of people don't have assets at scale, there's just no insurance, right? Um, so end up with like, man, how much loss is there? Which I'm sure there's insurers on this on on listening to this being like, oh my god, you're being crazy. All the natural disasters, people's houses are getting burned, people are getting car accidents, of course they need insurance. But at what, at what scale? So just being very provocative, think about like, okay, what percentage of cars in Nigeria are less than 10 years old, right? I'm sure it's small. <laughs> what percentage of cars in Lagos on the road? Let's say, let's say 30 old cars, 40 old cars are still on the road today. So people don't really, may not need it as much. And as things get better, as the economy progresses, insurance would naturally just appear yeah. as one one. Provocative. I don't know what. What do you think about that? Which uh, is, I I agree. It's as people have more stuff, they get more insurance. Because I remember, like I remember being in university or being in high school. I live my life. I took different set of risks, right? <laughs> but as I get older, I have more things to lose. I'm not. Yeah. You know, I'm taking a completely different set of risks, and I have different sets of um, safety nets. Yeah, and I agree right? with you 100. So the the question is then for the entrepreneur: What can I do in the meantime? Because waiting for natural income growth, natural wealth development, that's just like an economic macro event. You got to do something more in the meantime. No, maybe that's what timing is, right? Maybe that's what timing is. You know what I say? Like the right business at the right time. So that's it, right? So it's more, it's one of those ideas where it's about timing and across many African countries, it's just not the right time given level of economic growth. Very interesting thought. I still think though that second part of my, yeah. The counter argument to that could be you do your customer segmentation so aggressively that you find the niche, niche audience that needs it. And then hopefully you get enough revenue for them to, and then you start. And then the timing, you just keep on writing the, you keep on, it's just, it's, that's just a theoretical concept, man. I don't know if in reality it works that way, but theoretically could work. The core question is, is the initial niche market enough to match the investor expectation for people to give you money? Maybe not. But theoretically, there's something there. I don't know if I would bet that, yeah. but it, it could work. I just don't know. Yeah. I'm still, second part of my summary is health and agriculture as big opportunities. Mm. Because as I looked at the other kinds of insurance, I said, okay, people don't have assets, but people will always need some kind of healthcare, right? And it's more to your point is you have to find a different model uh, or a different payments structure or the same with agriculture as well, which I said, those are two big things that people are going to do and people need insurance mm-hmm. for. Regardless of their income level, they should have healthcare. Mm. If that's how they make money, they should be able to protect it. should be protected against loss. Yeah. Um because I saw this, like, a large proportion of deaths in Africa are due to curable and preventable diseases, oh, yeah. right? Unfortunately, so, like, sad. So it's actually hurting people. People are dying. And it's like somebody should be paying for that insurance. So people should have better health care. Correct. Um, it's, it's, and it's, I have to be careful because those are not the same things. I actually realized that the American, it's like people should have better insurance, people should have better health care. Yeah, it's almost it's, like we want an, an analogous situation to Apollo. Yeah. Like Apollo going to a farmer, like I said on that episode, it's almost impossible for the farmer to say no. They're giving you money. It's mm-hmm. not really money. It's fertilizer inputs. And all you need to do is give them a cut mm-hmm. of the profits, which means you have no downside. Now, you do have some downside, mm-hmm. but your risk is fully mitigated. You have insurance. They're giving you training. Yeah. They're giving you fertilizer. 
it's almost a no-brainer. This is the opposite of a no-brainer. Mm-hmm. This is the, you, you're collecting your money. So how can we set it up in such a yeah. way that the person thinks of insurance as a no-brainer because you cap yeah. you cap their downside and you still help them on the back end? I just it's something to think about. But yeah. the way it's currently positioned yeah. is a completely different value proposition. The reason why it's more difficult is because the farmer is an SME that has an output. A regular consumer is just living their life. So what is the output that makes the analogous situation? I don't know. It's tricky. Yeah. I've I've I I think there's stuff that government regulation can do. But unlike the other segments that we talked about, on the other sectors we've talked about, I actually don't think it's that big. Does it make sense? I think that the government is actually not the... Government is a blocker here with regulation, right? Uh, we've talked about bank assurance uh, becoming a thing. I think it's 3% of premiums in Nigeria, 3% of life premiums in Nigeria mm. right now, where you can go buy life insurance from like GT Bank, to use an example. They have partners. But there's also minimum capital requirements. You know, you know how Kuda Bank exists as a bank because the, of a separate yeah. microfinance license they were able to right, get. Right. So there's a bunch of regulatory things that open up the market. True, that allow true. And the bigger license you get, the more expensive like, it is. Yeah, more expensive it gets. And like Aco insurer in India has a general insurer yes. license. I don't know if any startup has that in Nigeria. Mm. So there's some stuff that regulators can do to make that to to make it make sense to encourage investment in that sector. Yes. Uh, but I don't think that's the blocker for the ins- insurance penetration. Yes, you know what I mean? correct. Uh, um, so there's distribution models. There's new peer-to-peer insurance, micro-insurance, which is the same thing, giving people 50 cents and they give you $5 of insurance or whatever, or $30 of insurance. Mm. But those things don't really... The more I think about all the things that I can expect government to do, I will talk about access stack, identity stack, all those things. Strangely, in this one unique situation, I just feel like the mountains of consumer and insurance are pretty high for. Yeah, it's almost like you'd want you'd want something so drastic. It would have to be like the government. You know how in Nigeria companies have to put money in your pension account, like mandatory, some large yeah. percentage. It was eight, then ten, fifteen, something like that. It would almost be like the government says every employer must provide insurance to his employees. So, so, so then it would be, it would almost sort of work. The only problem is then you're reducing everyone's salary. <laughs> That's a macroeconomic condition, but it's sort of like, it, then it would be directly linked to unemployment. So everyone would have insurance. But, the enforcement. Yeah, yeah. The enforcement. Yeah, the enforcement. It's, it's something, but I don't know, is that, do we want that in the society? It, That's what I'm saying. So there's a lot of things that we don't enforce well. Mm. That means that you can get away with carrying a piece of paper that says you have insurance, <laughs> right? Hypothetically. Because of the enforcement. Yeah. So maybe, so, so maybe that's the, thing that government can do is enforce it more. Yeah. But just suck money out of the system into premiums, it's kind of... Yeah. I, I, I Like, I, I brought it know, up man. as a hypothetical because it could work. I just, I don't know if I would support it because it leads to a lot of downstream issues because from a basic economics perspective, mm-hmm. the companies would just reduce the salaries. It basically means you're making everyone poorer yeah. by giving them something they didn't want in a free and open <laughs> market. I prefer for people to make decisions based on natural incentives because they want it than to be enforced because it's just, a, it's like an indirect tax. Um, anyway, we're getting into macro. I love economics. I could talk about it forever. Yeah. But. It's, anyways, it's it's growing. Premiums, gross weighted premiums are growing mm. in Africa off a small base. Yeah. But it's not growing. It's growing like 10%, 15%. But like, this is very tiny premiums, yeah. right? There's just not really a lot to be made. and Yeah, I disregard all, all those data points. You said if you take out South Africa, it's zero point something. So yeah, it's grown from zero point something percent. So yeah, it's zero to, to zero. Yeah, it's it's growing, but not meaningfully so. And it's not, it doesn't look like a prize that could be big enough on the startup side. I feel like I want to, you know, what would make me very happy is listening to this in five years or 10 years and regretting these words and be like, 
Let's look at me talking trash on the podcast like five years ago, and this company has built this three different unicorns in insure tech in 2028. When we spoke about health tech, we want people to have good health outcomes, educate because they want that, we want mm-hmm. that. This is not it's not high yeah. on people's priorities list. That's just the, the truth of it at the end of the day. Yeah. Because they don't have money for it. Okay. The last the last observation about insure tech is is how much strategics participate in funding rounds. Uh-huh. I sorry, so that at least half Half of finances in H1 2022, half of 45% of all the insure tech rounds year to date include a strategic investor, at least one strategic investor. Nice. Which is kind of wild. Nice. Like insurance companies, they are, because of all that float, burning a hole in their pockets. Nice. Okay. For the audience who's not mm-hmm. super familiar with the terminology, strategic investor is like a non VC. Like it's a company that doesn't, their yeah. core business is not investing. It's like it could be anything, it could be a corporate. Yeah. So think about it like mostly corporates. Yeah. Yeah. It could be old mutual, yes, it could GT Exactly, Bank exactly. Yes, investing. yes. Very cool. Yeah. Almost half of rounds. It's typically gone up and it's since 2019, it's been about 50% year, you know, 50% of every round will at least one, one strategic investor. Very curious. So, so they yeah. look at fintech lending companies, they're like, no, we're not investing. They look at insurance companies, they're like, yes, we're investing. Interesting. Hmm. No, I think maybe insurance companies are very used to having partners. Like, no, because they... Fintech companies are scared because they're maybe worried that like, you know, I don't know, Kuda Bank is trying to be GT Bank, which is yeah, yeah, yeah. trying to steal yeah, yeah. They're disintermediating them versus they're partnering but with them. So insurance companies are like, if you want to take on this risk, be my <laughs> if guest. If you go boss, right? we'll get the customers. <laughs> <laughs> we'll get the customers, you know, but it's more like if you're doing something interesting, right. let me invest and see what's happening. Like, I'm not worried about like, I have, you know, $3 billion of premiums that are coming in, you know, every month or, you know, $200 million of premiums coming in every month or whatever. Mm. It's like, be my guest if you want to go get like, all these big insurers laughed at Lemonade and Metro Mile too. Be like, cool stuff, buddy. Insure for now, don't <laughs> worry. You see when the claims start coming in. Your AIB, AI, loud. And that was it. Insure um, tech is, anyway, is the wild, The strategic man. part is pretty interesting. It's, what, what if they force better betting companies to offer insurance along with betting? Would that solve it? I'm a, I'm a bit of a, I'm a bit of a downer. I think you just made me less optimistic. I was, you know. Yeah. Henry, email me to tell me why why we're wrong. Yeah. I, I, Henry is That's doing it. B2B API. Henry's playing a different game. A lot of my thoughts <laughs> are for consumer That's companies. Right. B2B stuff is different um, because those companies just want to offer more services to, to the users. In fact, if I were an Uber driver, I wouldn't mind getting my insurance through Uber. Why not? It may be cheaper than getting it from Geico. Same thing with Sendy. Um, so yeah, Henry, shout out. Different play. I wish you the best of luck. Okay. So that is consumer insurance tech. Recommendations is moment. So recommendations, yeah. I have a lot of recommendations. Yeah. Don't ask why. I feel like I was oh, very shit. busy. I have okay. four books and three songs. I have a lot of recommendations. Yes, I've, I've been reading a lot recently. Okay. Miracle Morning and 5 a.m. Club. Two different books. Those books, I lumped them together. They're basically mm-hmm. talking about modifying your mornings to make you have a more productive mm-hmm. day and get you in the mindset for the day. I was already fully mm-hmm. bought in, but I read them great. It's almost like they're the same author. They just talk about like having a more routine thing to do. Mm-hmm. I love that. But I also feel like when you read things you already like, it's sort of like confirmation bias. But great books, highly recommended. Incredible bias. You ever like, you, you, have you ever heard, Nassim, Nassim Taleb always says that like, always says that like when you, oh, no, there's a quote, I don't know if it's, I don't even remember if it's Nassim now. Whereas the only thing you can, when you agree somebody's smart, it just means you agree with them. Wow. Um, I know, like such a- Fine. So much okay. And then two world. two other right. books, How I Found Freedom in an Unfree World by Harry Brown and Early Time and Extreme by Jacob Lund Fisker. Brilliant. Now these books, they seem like they're different. One is about 
like freedom. Another one is about um, finances, but they're actually very, very similar. It talks mm-hmm. about the basic premise of both books is thinking, approaching situations from a different angle than most people would approach it because you're thinking from first principles and from creative thinking versus just following the like mm-hmm. default regular flow. Um, and, and, like both of them are so smart. The Harry Brown book, I felt like I was the one writing it. Just mind melting with the guy. And then Jacob Lundfisker, the man is a genius. I've been following him since like 2008. Great books. So four recommendations, four great books. If you had to pick one, I would pick How I Found Freedom on Free World. It's it's very, very applicable to people in developing countries. You'll see why when you read it. And then three songs. The songs are basically a Born a Boy love fest, but I'll explain why later. Okay, first song, Born a Boy and Ed Sheeran. Bankley, you've heard the song, I guess, from my hand. As soon as I heard the song, my heart melted. The song is so good. Highly, highly recommended. Great song. Um, second song, I Know You, Craig David and uh, Bastille. Shout out to my man, Jason, my, my buddy, Jason Mothersill. I told him I used to listen to Craig David like 10 years ago. I haven't listened. So he created a playlist for me, all of Craig David's, Craig David's songs since I, since I stopped listening. And this one song, oh my goodness, I Know You. It's like um, R&B club. So oh, so, no, I got to share the whole playlist. But Jason Mothersill, man, mm. I love that dude. Okay, last song, another Burner Boy. Burner Boy featuring Black Sheriff. Now, the name of the song is Second Sermon Remix. Don't, it's, <laughs> I went on a whole Wikipedia learning about who the hell Black Sheriff was. I was very amazed, but the song is really, really good. The music video is, <laughs> music video is uh, different. It's the way I'll leave it. I'm not going to spoil it, but he has a line about Rambo, which is super funny. So those, that's it. Four, four books, three songs, seven recommendations. I've never had that many before. No, congratulations. Anytime you wake up, is good morning. Those are all bangers. <laughs> the last one is actual banger, but it's all good. Cool. Um, I have... Three recommendations, just three. I want to read those books, by the way, so I'll get them. After recommendations, by the way, we take we take book. Re- yeah, if you are reading this far, if you are listening this far, please send us book recommendations or stuff. I think that we just. Yes, I read a lot. I'm I'm trying to do fifty to hundred books per year, so just re- send it. I'll read it, no doubt. I'll be reading this book. It's very. It's it seems a, a lot. It's Oppenheimer's biography because as the movie's out, and I want to read finish the book before the movie comes out. But I've been traveling, so we'll see. I have three recommendations, one TV show and two songs. So first is HBO House of Dragons. If you're into like House on Fire, if you're into like um, Song of Ice and Fire, I think that people didn't like the previous Game of Thrones. It wasn't that bad to me. Yes, I read all the books way before. Yes, it's fine. <laughs> yes, I knew who George R. R. Martin was before. People get very <laughs> antsy about this stuff. Um, House of Dragons is really good TV. Okay. Yeah, so I love it. Okay. Um, so one of the funny, one of the fun things about a new week for me is I always have an episode to watch. So I'm really excited to go watch it right now. Okay. Um, second is this song. I actually, this came up to me. I was getting hyped to this song just before we recorded. Ooh. It's called Facebook Facebook Love by G1 <laughs> and Essence. Hold, on. I think from hold on, hold on. No, 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 no. You're shitting me. You just heard the song right now before we start recording. Like two hours No, no, ago. no. I've heard it before. I, I, listen, I listened to it many okay, years okay. ago, but I just listened to it again. Okay, got it. Now. Facebook Love. It's about no, social no, no, media. No, no. Wonderful. Yeah. About social media, the song is like, um, you know, waiting for your message on my wall. Where have you been? It's like, <laughs> I love stuff just like happens that. to a different time. Yeah, I was like, this is my jam. Everybody should listen to this. And my second one is Kulosa by Oxlade. I've Oxlade? actually been vibing and haven't recommended it before. Normally, I'm not doing this. <laughs> I told you. I only know one Oxlade. I told it's you. Oxlade Chamberlain, Arsenal, former Arsenal star. That's the only Oxlade I know. I don't even know Oxlade. I told you I'm not doing this. <laughs> Kulosa by Oxlade. Okay, I'll put a link to it. Okay. It's a great song. The vibe is good. Those are my three recommendations. HBO House of Dragons. Facebook Love. My OGs will know that song. Um, the singing is terrible. 
but the lyrics are hilarious. And then Oppenheimer. Um, Colossal by Oxlade is a legit jam. Oppenheim, I'm not recommending you yet. Just wait. Let me finish it. Okay. It cheats if I recommend I like it. I, just, I feel like yeah. I, I should read them. Um, man, we can spend hours on books. Okay, fine. We'll come back to that later. Okay, last but not least, small, small wins. Um, Easy. House party with okay. friends. A lot of fun getting people over. Always good to host friends. Nice. Nice conversations. A lot of people. Do you cook? I do not. What did you order for? It's a, it's a potluck, so everyone brings their own food. Um, okay. And it's like okay. all veggie stuff, which is great. It's also cool because a lot of people bail from Miami in the summer. Cause it's so hot then come back so just seeing everyone come back i was here the whole time so it's nice yeah good chats and i i used to have like 99 percent technology friends now in Miami, i just have different sort of friends who have a more uh diverse career path yeah. so curious to hear them chat not about bitcoin crypto web3 metaverse just talk about yeah. like other shit so it's nice normal stuff no, real life it's, it's crazy because i have the same thing in seattle when i meet like a doctor like uh, of husband of a friend is a doctor i'm like Dude, you have to come hang out anymore. Like, I don't care what you like or what you don't like. But just a bunch of tech people talking about like, like, oh, how is the hiring freeze at Microsoft? It's literally like, I can't do this, man. I just want to talk about, you know, just other things, man. Well, see, the best part is I could talk about tech forever. I love it. But still, I just still like, like now, like if you and I, when we stop recording, keep on talking, but I love it. But dude, it's still good to get other perspectives. They just, they care yeah. about different things. Doctors lawyers, nurses, school teachers. Your knowledge base is so low that it's un unbelievable. The guy was telling me something, something I'm like, wait, wait, are you, like, I don't understand. You don't know your phone can do this. So you assume people know this. <laughs> no, they don't, I mean, I wish I could give, yeah. should I give the example. I'm not yeah. going to, let's just say even basic mm -hmm. things. So for example, if I'm talking to Ben Colley, I'm not going to clarify to him, oh, how the blockchain for Ethereum is different than the blockchain. Yeah. Obviously, they have different blockchains. Like, that's not, there, there's no one blockchain. But the guy, I was like, wait, are you, wait, hold on. You don't, that, so yeah, basically, you don't know that? What, yeah. what is the so one blockchain? blockchain? Everybody's on the same blockchain? So, so yeah. No, shit. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, the basics, but it's, I guess it's, it doesn't sound so obvious when we say it out loud, but I'm too deep in the game for that. That's cool. My, my small win is I was in New York, Last week, I was at a mixer tech, just stumbled into a mixer. Someone invited me to it. I saw One Pipe founder, Okbe. Shout out to Okbe. Future One Pipe. Oh, we're not going to be biased. Okbe, you think we're your friends. There's no bias when we do, <laughs> when we do One Pipe. Don't think because you're telling Balkoli jokes. We're taking no prisoners. Okbe is my guy. Okbe is my guy. Okbe, you're Balkoli's guy. Okbe, that was soon blow. Okbe, that was soon blow. You want to be... It wants to be salty future billionaire. You don't Yo, know what's going when we on. do one pipe, we're but I think we're gonna do like it's a bunch of me. API companies together. It's not me that you. It's not me that. It's not my career you from kids. I probably don't mind them. Okay, yo, insults. when you do series A, just email olumidedafferbilly.com. Just ah, uh, series A don't go. You don't <laughs> the last your hits, your hits doesn't let you know when things are happening. Your negative energy doesn't let you know. The last time, when if you are a positive person now, you're telling you that you will win. Yeah. All your enemies are haters. You will win. Your idea is the best. One pipe in the house. Yeah, so shout out to um, one pipe. Anyways, I saw. Anyways, my small win was been in New York with this mixer. Mm. I met a lot of people, met a lot of founders, met a lot of um. Yeah. Okay. So, a question: Are you famous? If you tell them, "Oh, I'm the affability guy," would they be like, "Oh, yeah, yeah"? Or would they be like, "What are you talking about? What's your What's your uh, popularity level?" Obviously, Okpe loves loves uh, affability, but I'm not, other people. I'm not famous. I'm not famous. Okpe was saying. Okpe says, "Listen." Of course, he loves it. No, anything I've said, anything I said. <laughs> if I offended I said, you, <laughs> if I offended you, I <laughs> if anyone asked me anything, I was like, "Was back on so apart from okay, when you tell people they didn't they don't know about affability yet. I don't think this was like a strong it was a I don't think it was what? a group of people who are 
steeped in the ecosystem. Ah, okay, okay. Not an insult. So just fact. I don't feel quite interested. I'm gonna, That's I'm messed gonna up. Take a bunch of it out. My small win is my New York mixer. Nice. And it was fantastic, nice. and I had a blast. Nice. And New York is a lot, but I love New I York. Survived, and I was there for a while. It was good. I don't. I. I don't. I wouldn't go that far, but it's okay. Okay. So you wouldn't live in New York. What's your favorite? Second favorite city after Seattle. Uh, I was. I like. I like DC. Oh, DC. Okay, okay. You like playing uh, expensive. The right? winter. The winter kills. Ah, this is. I live in Seattle, fam. What's expensive rent? <laughs> <laughs> I live in Seattle. What do you mean? I'm on the West Coast, yeah. so we already we've accepted the price of mm-hmm. of things here. Mm. So cool. Yeah. Thanks for listening. We'd love to hear from you. If you have any feedback, topics you'd like to hear, or just want to say hello, please email info at afferability.com. Thanks. <laughs>